0: Hi, hello, how are you? Thanks for stopping by. Today we're going to talk to some real people about some real things, living real lives, doing real stuff. This is the Working Perspectives Podcast. I'm Matt Lavelle, accompanied by party boy Pete McCormick, and our special guest today is Natalie Lavelle. If you want to follow us, you can find us on all podcast platforms and YouTube at Working Perspectives Podcast. You can join us on Instagram at Working Perspectives Podcast, and you can follow us on the Twitter or the tickies at Working Pod. If you'd like to be a guest on the show, email us at workingperspectives at gmail.com. You can go through the approval process and be on the show. Party Boy Pete, ready to get this thing started?
1: Maddie, Matcha, McCall, Lavelle, I am ready. And just remember that this, today's podcast is brought to you by Devil's Pool Double IPA, baby.
0: <laughs>
1: Look, it's got kick to it. love
0: A little Devil's Pool Double IPA. Thanks for doing this, sponsor. Very nice. All right, let's get this thing started. Let's go. The you have dialed has Perspectives. Yeah. It's our objective to be effective My voice in society's working perspective We're exploring your workday and how you get paid Launching new episodes every Tuesday Your day can transform while we inform With episodes available on all podcast platforms Check out our vibe and how we get live then do us a solid like, share, and subscribe. Working Perspectives. All right. Peter Chosen. We have a couple things that we will need to talk about.
1: All right, Matt. Get me into the details. What's going on? Bring me into the weeds, as they say.
0: Yes, I will bring you into thy weeds. So uh, what's happening is is that uh, you and me, we're upstanding gentlemen. We're upstanding gentlemen about town. Absolutely. We are not Pirates. We are not Pirate Jerkbeard. And we're not Captain Jerkbeard. Captain Jerkbeard is a menace. And he's a scaredy cat. And he's a coward. And he doesn't want anything to do with me on the Mario Kart course. He's been running scared. He made his challenge. And he's been hiding like a little girl.
1: That's right, man. I hear like Tweety Bird, he's yellow.
0: Yeah, he's all yellow, pal. He's the most yellow there is. He's yellower than yellow. Mm -hmm. All right? So, yeah, he's the worst, the very much the worst. He's totally yellow, so either way, he made a stupid challenge. He bought the show out from underneath us, and now he doesn't even want to set a date. So whenever he wants to set a date, I'll beat his ass i'll buy I'll get the rights back to my show, and then we'll be all set.
1: You're not the first person to complain about him not setting a date in time, Matt
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: I mean, in all fairness. Who would
0: want to marry that frickin' Strajul, that Mama jerkbeard, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Who, you know? Some Stu Nod. He's Stu Nod, you know? Captain
1: Stew. Yeah. I think it might be a nice young lady who just got tricked, perhaps, by some of Jerkbeard's annex. Didn't know yeah. any better.
0: Yeah. I think, honestly, it's probably... So, he's a pirate, as we know. He's, he's performed lots of piracy. So, he probably kidnapped someone, and then that person got Stockholm Syndrome.
1: So uh, exactly
0: I, yeah that's i mean that's really the only logical explanation why anyone would want to marry him
1: i took a psychology class about 15 years ago and that adds up to what i remember
0: yeah agree agree yeah he's running around like a scared little boy Ha! that's right yeah <laughs> ha! tell him that's right tell him. so uh either way so let me tell you let me tell you let me tell you about the guest we have on the show today pete all right all right. Bring it to me. Bring it to you. So here's what's going down in Chinatown. I know you've seen me in person. And for, those, uh, for all our listeners who have been watching the weekend pop-in videos now available on our YouTube channel at Work Perspectives on YouTube, uh, they can see that my nose is very crooked. All right. And uh, it's been crooked ever since I was nine years old, and there's a reason for that, and it has a lot to Ah. do. Yeah, has a lot to do with our guest we have on the show today. Ah. Yep. Let me paint a picture, all right, Peter Hosen. So I'm the third of four children. Uh, My older sibling, the best looking by far, by far. So uh, I was the third of four children and i have an older sister who is our guest today natalie then ah yeah how about it yeah <laughs> fooled you didn't i <laughs> you fooled so- me <laughs> <laughs> so uh either way uh, older sister is our guest today natalie and then i also have an older brother asshole which everyone knows he's a pirating scumbag uh then i have a little brother former guest of the show friend of the show alec neither of them are good looking at all at all what the fuck is that?
1: Wait, what's going on here? What the fuck is that? Hold on a second. There's a name that's starting to pop up on my ah! screen. Ah! What? Whoa. Ah! Are you- Good evening! Fucking gentlemen! Jerkbeard himself? <laughs> Are you
0: good evening party? and uh, welcome to the Tom Lavelle Show. This is Tom Lavelle as always, joined by Pete McCormick. Very excited about you today's mother, show. I've got my son own of sister a fit, on, bastard. Natalie Lavelle. You fucking
1: I do not, son not of a consent a to this. I do not consent. Yeah,
0: good. Thank you, Pete. Thank you. Thank you for taking my side, unlike some jabroni that's no longer the co host. Some How snake. Do you think I got
1: the link. Yeah, you're not going to shake, rattle, and go me. You. He what? gave me That's the link. That's not true, Matt. <laughs> it, there's no way, Matt. There's no, I, I have a secure internet and everything. There's no way he got it. I'm on this me.
0: show. I don't I don't believe you. I don't believe a word yeah, you're well. saying. Pete would never do that. He did it. He's Shawn Michaels and you're Marty Jannetty. Yes. No way. way. That's not if true. Any, it is true. No.
1: It no. is true.
0: If, if anything, me. no. If anything, I'm the British Bulldog. And he's Bret Hart.
1: You're a lying liar that hey, lies P. a lot.
0: Yeah, yeah. Why would we
1: ever believe hey, you, you be
0: liar? Who's the greatest quarterback hey. of all time?
1: <laughs> <laughs> <be> Mr. Drew <laughs> Ceprice. You stupid idiot. That's a nice backwards head. Tom, what are you, walking backwards all day?
0: Good one, Petey. You got
1: him. You really got him.
0: What, are they walking backwards? So <laughs> oh. Yeah, because yeah, your hat is backwards. No, that was good. <laughs> that was good. <laughs> Are your pants backwards? <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: I left my He's pants muted. at your mother's house, Pete. <laughs> you son of a bitch, <laughs> <laughs> you, you fucking bastard. Barbara McCormick is a guy! We were talking about when she's going to be on the
1: show. <laughs> she is going to be on the show. <laughs>
0: she's already. You don't know. You you didn't do anything to get her on the show. I I got her on the her show. On this, show. this is my show. This is my show! <laughs> you piece of shit! Oh, yeah, man. you're a total by, asshole. By that point, it'll probably be my show.
1: It'll oh, I thought it was your forward. show already, huh? I guess you're walking backwards out of that statement, aren't you? Yeah, yeah i yeah, yeah. running
0: scared!
1: She's muted! Why? She said she hates you and you're disgusting. Why is she muted. He's unmuted. Because
2: now. if you're on the show, I'm fucking leaving. What? That's
0: why it's
1: on Yeah! Yeah,
2: oh! yeah! Natalie!
0: <laughs> quick question Can you yeah. name, in order, your top three candy bars? Go ahead.
3: For
0: the show. Natalie, you don't. No, he's not. He has nothing to do with the show. There's nothing to do with the show. You don't have to name your favorite candy bars if you don't want to, Natalie. That fuck. You. Shut up. What are you doing here? I'm here right, to talk about back. our what challenge you that you've been backing out on. I'm oh, the challenge that you're too scared to, set a, scared to set a date on. That challenge? Well,
2: why? That's you not, you not the only date? thing he was scared to set a date on. Just
0: saying. Oh! <laughs> Bye, if, I, if I could turn back time. If I could turn yeah. back time, yeah. If we could all turn back time, there's a lot of. Either stuff. way, I've been looking at a lot of dates, and I'm thinking yeah. that if we did it in the summertime, people go go away in the summertime. Summertime. My date of suggestion is easy. Saturday, October second. <laughs>
1: Saturday, October
0: second. Yep. Yeah, why? Why Saturday, October second? Like Summer's over. Is there anything special going on? College football. It'll be a good day. Why, right, if you don't want to do it and you just want to give me the show, go ahead. Why is that a significant date? Why? Why don't October second? October second. Why October second, Pete? What's going on? I'll tell on you October what's going 2nd, on. October second. I'm gonna you know going to beat your ass in Mario Kart. It is you
1: kicking the crap out of Yeah.
0: No! That's right. No, I'm beating you.
1: I'm beating you. I'm
0: Tom Brady in Mario Kart and you're Drew Brees. Loser.
1: Oh, you're over. You're getting carried by all the by all the yeah, uh, you know, right. advanced statistics yeah. and other yeah, things point, of that nature.
0: Pete. Stupid no idiot. Skill. Yeah. You're so a stupid Tom, idiot.
3: Are
1: you so saying are you-
2: that you cheat?
0: Yes, yes, that's what he's saying. Natalie, you want to be on the right side of history here with me. (laughs) No, (laughs) he is on the right side of history.
2: I, I have yet to take sides. I am trying to understand your analogy, as I don't often pay attention to football. But from what I do understand, the people who cheat
0: wins, wins, wins. Who wins the most? Uh, Tom Brady. Me. At Mario Kart, no, it's, it's me. And he knows Natalie, can you tell me your candy bars, please? Yeah, Natalie, do you <laughs> not have to answer the candy bars. Is it's Butterfinger in your one top one. three? No, not that. even close, you stupid idiot, Matt. It sucks, <laughs> and so do you. And I'm beating you October 2nd. Mario Kart. You're not beating dash, anybody. Practice. Be there. I don't know if we can do double dash because I don't own a game You got You got some time there. Snuffle up, I guess. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You're a snuffle. I got a retro pie.
1: <laughs> a what? You're yeah. Pete. What company are you drinking, system. You're going to make fun of me for it. I'm. am d- just. Not I'm drinking myself business. a uh, devil's pie. Yo, Wissahick and Brewing Company by the Great Whistahicken Brewing Company. No, no, no! Don't you? are Brewing Company.
0: I got what? a little character. Wait, wait, wait.
2: Is this episode Tom, brought, yeah, to is brought to us by the well, Wizzahick well, and Brewing Company or by the Devil's My show is actually brought
0: to us is... by the and Brewing Company. Matt, is it ironic that Pete, who gave me the link for the show, also has a Wizzahick and Brewing Company beer? It's not true. It's, it's a very popular, very popular brewery. brewery it's a very but...
1: popular brewery. Yeah. Many people go there. Right, it's very popular. popular. It's not true. You can't drive away between us.
0: Secret safe with me. We're actual brothers. October 2nd. Mark your calendar, you stupid idiot! I'm out of here, Natalie. Good luck with these two jabronis. Get out of here! You're off the show. I kicked hey, them off. You. I just threw
1: them off the show. That's how I do it. I throw them off. I'd the rather show. be a jabroni than a jaloni. Yeah, uh, yeah,
0: we told him, huh? God damn! <laughs> October second. That's a lot of fucking publicity.
1: <sighs> we got a long time to go, man. It, you know a what? Of- it's montage time. Oh, we're going to do a ton of, I want to do a
0: whole 24 seven. So let's get back to uh, what I was talking and then we'll talk about fucking shithead. So October 2nd is a Saturday. Like he said, that's when we'll be announced. That's when the uh, live date will happen where I'll take down shithead and win the rights back to my show. Don't know how I lost the rights to the show, but one day I'll get them back and that'll be October 2nd. All right, so I was nine years old, right? And at the time I was nine, my sister was thirteen. Okay, so I, I, you know, thirteen is a lot of years o- older than nine, as far as growing, maturing, all that stuff, right? So we're in my basement, right? And we're all like, my parents are at home, so Natalie is like watching us, uh, like she's like in charge at this point because she's the oldest. So we're how doing- old is Natalie at this point? He's thirteen and I'm nine.
1: All right, so it, this is uh, this is typical. Older sister gets that age. Yep. And, maybe and, a little power trip. Maybe an asshole brother. We'll find out.
0: Yeah, and and of Green Gables is on uh, repeat on oh. the TV. Fucking everyone wants to kill themselves. So either way, uh, I'm I'm there and I'm minding my own business, just being a perfectly normal little brother, not doing anything, not doing anything, right. So uh, just hanging out, doing doing me, right? Just being a normal guy, not bothering anybody. Kind of just staying on my side, doing my thing. Just
1: being a chill guy, you know? Just a cool guy, hanging out, doing cool guy things.
0: Then all of a sudden, allegedly, I have to say allegedly. Allegedly, uh, yeah. you know, you um,
1: don't want to cool. sell yourself up for liability.
0: Yes. Uh, a blanket was thrown over my head, right? <sighs> and then the way our basement is set up is that there's a pillar in the middle of our basement. It's a load-bearing pillar, which holds up the, the whole ceiling, right? Yep. Very, very big kind of pillar right in the middle of the basement. So all of a sudden, blanket over my head, right? Then right after that, my face smashed into this pillar. All of this stuff happened. The Did you 11- sign
1: a waiver before you went down there?
0: I did not. There was no way. Uh, no way. Yep, I, I wish we would have had it. That would come, you know, eight years later. But so I had the blanket over my head and allegedly someone allegedly pushed, smashed my face into this pillar and broke my nose. Still broken to this day. Right. Uh, well, you I, don't want to keep you down. Obvi- so being that i had a blanket over my head i could not in full sound mind and body correctly identify the perpetrator right ah. i don't I, like i couldn't prove without a shadow of a doubt in a court of law who put the blanket over my head and smashed my face into this pole so yeah yep. I had accused my older sister. What had then happened is we had a trial, right?
1: The trial of the century.
0: The trial of the century. The trial of the millennium, as far as I was concerned.
1: So Uh.
0: uh, we had the defense, which was Natalie. And then we had the prosecutor, which was asshole. All right? Yeah. Yeah asshole. Hmm. I was the judge, all right?
1: Okay, you were the judge.
0: Yep. Alex was the bailiff. Okay. Yeah. So, a lot of... uh, One of the big things that happened a lot during this trial was the phrase, you can't handle the truth, was said a lot. A lot of that. That makes sense. a a a A lot of
1: people can't handle the truth.
0: Right. So... Uh, Natalie was acting in her own defense as her own defense attorney. The public prosecution who I had no – I had no –
1: like I couldn't choose. Could I have chosen my – No one chooses their prosecutors. No one chooses the prosecutor. Yeah. That's up to the state. That's up to the voters, Matt. Yeah. This is democracy itself.
0: Yeah. Unfortunately, I had no voice in who my prosecution would be, Right. So I was completely shit out of luck when I had asshole as the prosecution. Because guess what? He sucks. He's a liar. He's a fraud. He's a scaredy cat. He he picked a date of October 2nd. Are you kidding me? That's the worst freaking date you could have ever picked ever. That's right.
1: And Matt, honestly, not that good looking, to tell you the truth.
0: That really, really just a disappointment all around. Really got a feel for his wife. Really got a feel for her. I mean, that Stockholm Syndrome, does it ever wear off?
1: Uh, You know what? If it does, I don't know when it does. Yeah. All I know is what I know and what I don't know. And that's something I don't know, Matt.
0: Yeah. No one knows. And I don't think we'll ever know. So either way, um, either way. So the trial goes off. And obviously, dumbass Tom wasn't good enough to prosecute Natalie. So... The the person who was brought in as the face smasher into the pillar breaking nose person gets off scot free. Scot free after she was, you know, after she was acquitted. Not even points on her
1: license. Nothing.
0: No, not even community service, no jail time whatsoever. Nothing. So the I'm left with a broken nose since i was nine and you know i mean it does help to my uh, devil may care kind of handsome demeanor which i mean come on we're all there <laughs> but uh but yeah so that being said um i know uh she's my sister so i know she's doing good she's married she has two kids i know everything's going great we're gonna hear about everything going uh before we bring her on i'd just like to ask Natalie, have you seen the movie Bohemian Rhapsody? And if yes, what would you think of that piece of shit movie?
2: I haven't seen it. It's too much of a piece of shit to use my time that way.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: Score one.
1: Natalie, yes. you are missing out on one of the greatest recreations of Live 8 that's ever been done. It, it is just masterpiece of cinematic and, uh, and audio quality. How, how many... Can
2: I just ask, is it really that important to accurately reproduce live
1: uh, uh The greatest live performance in the history of music? I believe it is.
2: <laughs> Couldn't you just watch the recording of the real thing?
1: Oh. Not uh, on a big screen. Well, yeah,
0: I, well, I'm, not HD? De- I'm not defending this movie. In <laughs> yeah. HD?
1: In 4K? Yeah. With surround sound and Dolby Digital and all that? I don't know. I'm not a scientist, Natalie. I'm just a podcaster.
0: Yep. Okay. And he's the best damn one there is. Well, All I right. will look
1: into it. I do love Queen music, so it wouldn't be a complete I love
0: Queen those. as well. I love Queen as well. I just don't want to insult them by listening to some second-rate jabroni, you know, try to recreate the possibly the greatest vocalist that's ever lived.
2: Oh, actually, that's a Queen really good question. Did the actor... Who was the actor? Remy Malik. Remy
1: Malek. Remy Malek.
2: He's a really good actor. Um, I've seen him in a couple yeah. things. Did he sing or did they use freddie mercury's original vocals
1: i, I don't yeah. think this was a uh, the doors where he did like uh in the doors val kilmer did all the singing i don't think it was that i think they did uh reproduce it it was more digital ties but he had the mannerisms going he had the teeth going which is very important
2: mm. i mean that's a prosthetic you put in your mouth i mean
1: yeah but for a lot of hours in many days
0: i mean we we can all agree on one thing that he's no val Kilmer yeah no. well yeah, but thats yeah, like but then the again Jim Morrison time. was no
1: Freddie Mercury <laughs> I mean ooh, but, you know, yeah, that's a hot take that's like a, that on. is a hot take right there I, mm-hmm. I mean I uh ooh ooh, I mean vocally, Freddie Mercury's the goat, so I'll agree with you there, but Jim Morrison was a hell of a stage presence hell of a presence
2: hell of a presence, however, which band's music do you enjoy listening to more the doors really? Well, that is where we differ, Pete. I can listen to Queen all day, every day.
1: The Queen gets me hyped, but if I'm chilling out like most of the time, I'd rather have the doors going in the background.
2: Mm. See, I think that there are some Queen songs that are very chill.
1: And yet you still haven't seen this movie.
2: I've been
1: with you such a long time. Just saying, man. And yet you haven't seen the movie yet. No
0: he brings up a good point so okay so moving on uh we can all agree that the movie sucks so we'll keep it going score another loss in the loss column for fucking bohemian rhapsody the movie not the song all right so sis what's going on how are you
2: i mean i'm good i cannot effing believe though that you know tom just shows up right in the middle of my interview like what a heel just uh, cannot yeah. believe I mean,
0: he's a total uh, heel full of dog shit. I'll tell you that. He's uh, he's the absolute worst. Honestly, he's a plague on society, and he's a plague on this show.
1: Natalie, I'm guessing, like, when you were, you know, a young teenage girl doing your junior and senior prom, he always had to come down and make a scene, be the cool guy, didn't he, huh? Yep. But really, he was just being a jerk beard.
0: Yep. That's just his whole uh... life. Living life as a jerk beard.
2: You know, actually i I don't recall them being very uh, disruptive for my junior senior prom. I think my dad was a little bit more so mm. disruptive oh yeah
1: that yeah that was there a, was this uh...
2: there were a couple of poor bastards who showed up to take me out uh junior prom specifically went to shake Dad's hand, and Dad squeezed his hand. And was like, "What time are you going to have her home?" And he starts out at like midnight. Dad squeezes harder. Eleven squeezing harder. Ten. <laughs> <Dad's laughs> Let go of his hand.
1: Because goes eleven <laughs> the evening. like, oh, I'm going to leave right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It
0: was nice to meet you, and never see you again. Exactly. But, yeah. Well. Yeah, Dad was more do.
2: disruptive. Actually, it wasn't till after I went away to college, and like a bunch of my old prom dresses and stuff were in my closet, that the boys really started being disruptive. And uh, and I think that. Tom in particular, and possibly Alex, uh, were grabbing my my old prom dresses and stuff out of the closet and uh, just dressing up on the regular. Like I would see pictures and stuff. It wasn't even Halloween. Like people are just no. wearing my prom
1: dresses.
0: Sounds like an Alex thing to do. I will say that.
1: I, think I mean, everyone I has right to like ton, the. Though. Yeah, everybody has a right to feel beautiful. Sure. I
2: mean. I'm not (laughs) judging that part. I was just pissed (laughs) off that they didn't ask me first.
1: Right. That's true. Wasn't there? You don't want them to stretch it out. Well,
2: and that's yes, exactly. I'm like, I don't know. You broke the zipper. It's just not cool.
1: Yeah. It's not.
0: Yeah. I mean, what are you going to do? Were you planning on wearing them?
2: Well, I had like when I was at Penn State, I was in a sorority and we had formals and stuff. So, yeah, I would I have see. gone home and grabbed one of those to probably wear at the formal. I see. But I could always borrow a dress
1: from a different girl. So that's what I did
3: Smart.
2: instead because people broke my zippers. Right.
1: Yeah. Now, Natalie, you live in uh, Roxboro, right? Yeah. Roxboro Maniac
2: from... area. Yeah.
1: Have you noticed the college kids going out more and more? Does it seem like things are getting back to normal? Have you seen the girls out in the dresses carrying the jungle juice around?
2: Um, You know, sometimes people are definitely going out. A lot of the restaurants have made a real effort to make outdoor dining spaces um, throughout the pandemic. Uh, So there's plenty going on there. Um, And yeah, I mean, as soon as the weather started getting nice, people were out and about and on Main Street.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. I noticed one of my, I think I've couched kids at the bottom of my box because I noticed uh, a recycling bin with forty's with uh duct tape around them. So I know Edward Forty Hands is going on. I feel like that's like the first sign of nature returning back to normal. Is once I mean once it the, is in uh, this neighborhood. Oh yeah. <laughs> once the St. Joe's and the Jefferson and the uh, Villanova kids start partying again, we're we're getting back. Edward Forty Hands. Yeah, you-, you take oh, two. Yeah. I, I know what it is. Oh, I okay. know what
0: it is. But I just am amazed people still play that. That oh game hell yeah! The I mean, worst.
2: college kids don't stop being dumb, man.
0: Ugh, yeah. <laughs> that game was the worst. The absolute worst. Not a fan. I wonder Especially if it's if worse small for bladder. girls. Yeah, because well, no, don't girls you... notor- notoriously pee more than guys, right? Isn't that a thing?
2: Yeah, pro- I mean, I don't necessarily think it has to be a thing, but I guess.
0: I mean, that's what I, I generally
1: mean,
2: yeah, in the
0: yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, really, usually. that was
2: your biggest problem with Edward Forty Hands—the need to go pee. That was your biggest
1: problem.
0: Yeah, probably 100%. Like the main problem. Yeah, that like, is that's why they—that's the
1: why they duct tape your hands.
0: You can't pee until you finish. That is the game. Mm,
1: I didn't find that
2: to be too big an issue.
0: Oh, must be nice. Must be nice. <laughs> didn't know you were part camel either. All right. <laughs> So, all right. So, okay. Enough talking about some bullshit and having assholes pirate our show. Uh, I want to move on to the hottest new segment hitting the streets. We're talking about memory lane. Where do these bizarre memories come from?
1: So in English, if you say this is lame,
0: when you're describing something, uh, what you are saying is that it's not cool. It's not awesome. Uh, It's not interesting. Now that's lame as in not cool, as in piracy on podcast. Not cool. Stop the piracy on podcast. Uh, So we're going to bring up a topic from the 90s. We're all going to discuss the topic. Then we're going to vote on it to see if it's totally radical, tubular, brah, or if it's lame city. Uh, So as is tradition, Natalie, being that you are the guest, do you have a memory of lame topic i sure to do
2: yeah yeah i totally do right. um to my memory lame topic uh harkens back to the early 90s um and uh and i think it it might actually be interesting because uh, folks involved in it then were i think at the top of their game and now uh are not so much and that is the uh the mel gibson flick
0: man without a face wow mm. wow
1: yeah he, this is know, uh very rare it is one of the few mel gibson movies that i have not seen the entire thing you're really? kidding is really? that because Man. it's like flick. not an action flick uh it's just because like i hear mel gibson's voice and i see this disfigured face and i'm like no can't happen god wouldn't allow it only half of it was disfigured <laughs> i, I think. mean that's god the only half destroy it. something so beautiful would he that's true. This is not Tom Cruise and Vanilla Sky, people. This is Mel oh, Gibson. Oh, dude, that was rough. Yeah,
0: <laughs> one of the very rough. Uh, so okay, so Man Without a Face. For those listeners who haven't seen it, uh, Mel Gibson is a recluse living in a small town. He had had a car accident that destroyed half of his face. Uh, there is a young boy in that town who is trying to get into like a prestigious school. To change his life because he's in like kind of a broken home kind of situation gimmick uh the only way he thinks he can do that is by befriending mel gibson who was a former professor at a school who can teach him and help him to get into this school and they develop a friendship and the story kind of revolves around that with some uh twist the kid in the movie is played by nick Stahl. uh some people might ah. know some people might know nick Stahl
1: from carnival
2: also from the Terminator series, like not TV series, but series of movies.
1: And I also believe he was in uh, sin city, right? He was the one that yes, uh, Bruce Wilson chasing yes. down.
0: Yes, mm. exactly. Yeah. He's the creep. You yes.
1: stupid. whore! You, you dumb cow. Like he's yeah. that guy. He's, he's he, the uh, one that he
0: punched his face into a smithereens. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That's Nick stall. So a uh, good actor. Always. Always a good actor. I really wished carnival would have taken off. Cause I fucking loved that show. But it never took off, which is a shame. Um, but I think if way, it came
2: back today, it would do well.
0: I agree. I, I completely agree. I think they should really try and give it another run and maybe maybe reboot it for a third season because it was really heading. And honestly, if you look at it now, it has all the intangibles of a big show for this day and age. It's like That's Prohibition it era, well, yeah. Depression era, yep. right? And it's Prohibition era, Depression era America. You have like the villains that are in like the Ku Klux Klan and like all these different things. Then you have like the Sons of Italy or or Knights of Columbus are involved. You have some magical priest and who is like brother and sister with these people and like a traveling carnival from the, you know, from the Depression in the Dust Bowl and like a lot of just like crazy stuff that surrounds it. So really, really thought it would, you know, would have picked up, but it didn't. But either way, so Man Without Face so it's also. It's got a little
1: Boardwalk Empire in it. It's got a little uh, yes, game. Of, exactly. It's got everything in it. Like everything yes. that, that HBO is known for now, mm-hmm. back then. It's
0: got, it's, it's got a mix of like Perry Mason and Boardwalk Empire and, you know, even a little, uh, you know, I mean, it's got some like kind of behind the scenes magic kind of gimmick that is underlying. Very good stuff um but yeah big suggestion for those out there but then also uh i would like to say have you ever if you've ever seen the movie the power of one i believe that the redheaded chick in the power of one is also the sister yeah she's the man older without sister in
2: man without a face you are yeah. absolutely right matt good job yeah uh
0: i, I remember that because you never see her never see her anywhere
2: i can tell you exactly where you can see her in a modern movie oh nice yeah, she plays the housekeeper—not a giant role, but a role in the. Um, oh, what the hell is the name of that series? Uh, it's a again. It's like a trilogy of movies. It's the one where Dakota Johnson. Real sex on HBO. Like the whole time.
0: The, uh, what is it, Natalie? The one the,
2: with. Uh, the one Dakota Johnson's in it, and she's like she's the almost fifty shades of gray. That, yes, okay. yes, that trilogy. Ah. So the sister from Man Without a Face plays the housekeeper in that.
0: Mm-hmm. interesting so for those who haven't seen man without a face uh highly it. really really good flick really good 90s flick that was like a like a sleeper 90s flick mel gibson's really good work
2: oh just uh just speaking of sleeper and that movie if you don't mind me making the connection here
0: mm-hmm.
2: all right so uh i think it was like 93 or 94 it was my seventh grade birthday party and like a bajillion girls were invited over to our house i think like 20 some odd girls were sleeping yep. in the basement. Yep and um midnight or something around that my mom comes down and and literally woke me up i was tired that day cuz i was like i did two different soccer games or something sure. i was still in like one of my uniforms um and uh and is like all right we're all going to the movies and literally takes all 27 of us to like a midnight showing of man without a face ah,
0: remember ah, yeah. they were they would do that that was over. like that was like a big gimmick of theirs we could go to the midnight movie yeah. when it was like yeah i like that
1: yeah i, I lo- Last time I tried to go to the midnight movie, I didn't even like I fell asleep during it, but that was probably like seven years ago now.
0: (laughs) Gosh, I can't even remember the last like I guess I've been to movies that are—it's like a premiere. You know how now they do like if it's a big movie they do like the twenty-four hour yep, premiere. Yeah. Oh
3: yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: I think the last one I—gosh, maybe God—I can't even remember. I think it might be the the last Harry Potter. Might Me too.
2: The That's the last one I did it
0: with. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I
2: was actually supposed to wait and go see that with my two best friends, and by the time we finally saw it together. Um, my one friend leans over and she's like, guys, I gotta tell you, I, I, I did see this once already. And my other friend's like, yeah, I saw it once too. And I was like, I've seen it twice. Sorry, guys. <laughs>
3: and guys. other
1: friend's like, Dobby does not care. Dobby just wants to watch the movie. Exactly.
2: I was like, I'll see it again. I loved it. <laughs> Uh, dude when dobby spoilers is it okay for me to talk about dobby
0: yeah uh, the movie the movie was uh like been out of theaters for like nine years so yeah you can freaking talk about it
2: i don't know i don't know what people are doing well if they
0: haven't seen it by now then it's their own damn fault so
2: i bet you tom hasn't seen it
0: good so ruin it for him especially (laughs) for him okay
2: well, so actually when, when Dobby died in the movie, I was somewhat disappointed because I wasn't as moved as in the book when Dobby died. I was Ugh. like
0: bawling, man. Oh, oh
2: my gosh. When it Dobby was...
0: bites it in the book, yes. that was tough. Oh, that was I... so tough.
2: Yeah. Oh, I no. didn't feel no, like they put enough off. I don't feel like they put enough heart into it in the movie, you know? Oh.
0: yeah terribly moving uh one thing i will say about the harry potter movies this is the biggest gripe i have with them since we're talking about them uh the biggest gripe i have is i guess it would be the sixth movie the half-blood prince right so the sixth book the half-blood prince is phenomenal it's absolutely phenomenal And the way it is portrayed is that it's almost like their uh, Empire Strikes Back where they lost. It was a big fucking loss, right? Like, the Order of the Phoenix was almost completely destroyed in that. And Hogwarts was invaded and taken over. The battle at Hogwarts, the first battle, was fucking unreal, right, in the books. In the movie, it's just Bellatrix Lestrange just walking around saying, "Ah, you guys are pussies, ah, you know, and just like them beating the shit out of everyone with there's no defense there. There's people like getting mauled by werewolves. And it's like a legit battle comes to the very end at the top of the tower. Dumbledore then sacrifices himself for H pot. Right. And then what happens next is that in the movie, Everyone puts a flashlight on the end of their wand and sends it into the sky, which is fucking so stupid in comparison to the book where Dumbledore's funeral in the book was out of this fucking world. You had giants, you had centaurs, you had witches, wizards, spiders, fucking everybody was there to pay homage to goddamn Albus, Percival, Wilfred Brown, Brian, Dumbledore, all right? So fucking the way that the movie did it, a couple lights in the air, woo! really what happened was is Twilight was big at the same time as books or as mo- the sixth movie came out. So instead of concentrating on the actual story, they made it more of a tween bitch romance, which was awful. Absolutely awful. Mo- you think that's movie- what happened? That's what, I mean, that's how, it, that's how it looked to me because the sixth book was anything but a tween bitch romance. <laughs> Was fucking great.
1: Uh, Sorry about that. Let's go. Yeah, uh, yeah. We were talking
0: about Man Without a Face. So,
1: uh, oh, Man Without a Face. That's right. Man Without a Face.
0: So let's vote on. Let's vote on the Mel
1: Gibson movie, right?
0: (laughs) Yeah, the one you've never seen. Back to the Mel
1: Gibson movie.
0: Let's vote on it. So, sis, since you put it up for the topic, what are your thoughts on Man Without a Face?
2: I tried to watch it again recently. I couldn't. It's not. It's not not good
0: really
1: doesn't hold up
2: Doesn't
0: hold up not for me
1: all right peter hosen look i will never support what nick stall did to jessica alba in that goddamn movie so i will not support him in any movies and after making me listen to that uh harry potter thing nothing will ever be cool again lame
0: (laughs) all right well i guess we're gonna round it out with amando lame okay so i'm laming it as well Uh, making it a Mondo Lame. All right, so that was another rousing segment of Memory Lame. Uh, For all you guys listening, if you'd like to send some Memory Lame ideas or Memory Lame topics to us, you can send them to us at Working Peapod on Twitter and on the Tiki Talk. Or you can send it to us at Work Perspectives Podcast on Instagram. All right, so let's move this show along. No more Harry Potter talk. Uh, let's get to the real <laughs> nitty-gritty why we're here. So uh, our guest today, Natalie Lavelle, she was born in Tacoma, Washington, in Fort Lewis. She lived in California until age 11, then moved to Lansdale, Pennsylvania, land of the free, home of the brave, and has lived in the Philadelphia, on and off in the Philadelphia area from age 11 till the present day. Uh, she went to public school from kindergarten to third grade, then Catholic school from fourth grade till she graduated high school. She attended Penn State University, Wisconsin in Madison, Temple University, then went back to Penn State for her master's. And she's been all over the world, done a bunch of things, has a really, really cool story. Uh, as a kid, I, uh, Pete, you probably don't know this, but soccer in uh, California, as you can imagine, is massive. It's a year round thing. Everyone's playing travel. It's everyone's playing soccer all the time. Right. So it's always nice
1: weather, soccer yeah,
0: weather, always soccer weather. So Natalie played soccer from age four till she was a junior in high school. She played in high school. She played on the travel team and everything like that. Uh, apparently, and I didn't know this, Pete, you probably knew this cause you're a scholarly man, but concussions in girls' soccer is becoming quite an issue. Did you know?
1: I believe it. I did not know that. I, I know, uh, cheerleading like just dominates like almost all sports and injuries, but it's not surprising that female soccer has a lot, you know, anytime you're running at high speed collisions happen. Wait, wait,
0: wait, back it up. Uh, cheerleading dominating the concussion talk.
1: Cheerleading dominates injuries in terms of all high school sports at that level. It's like crazy because you're throwing the girls up in the air. Like it just mistakes happen. Serious injuries all the time.
0: When uh, we had an episode with uh, Jamie Yerk, she was on the show uh, a couple months ago and she was a former, she did like school cheerleading and she did what was called all-star cheer. And she had said the same thing. She's like, imagine like I, and we had brought it up. It's like, Ask any tough ass guy or woman, you know, ask them to let two 14 year old girls throw them up in the air as far as high as they can and then catch them while standing on a track at a high school football game in the middle of the like the fall. So and I was like, yep, I'm not doing that. So either way. Uh, yeah, so I can totally see that a lot of a uh, lot of bruises you know
1: and everything. Yeah, and Natalie has sent me the Forbes article on the girls soccer uh, concussions. And yeah, I, I, I mean, I believe it. Yeah, it makes yeah. sense. So Natalie, is there a logic behind this before I dig too deep? That you can explain like what? Why is girls soccer worse than football or, or male soccer? What's causing the concussions? Is there something that they can point to or that they don't even know?
2: Well, so there's uh, biological uh, differences cited in the article. I really don't know very much about those, and I, I would not claim to be an expert on it. Um, but the non-biological differences and um, and kind of a provo- proposed explanation of why their uh, concussions are more common in girls sports, like statistically, um, is that... Um, uh, boys are more likely to hide their concussion symptoms, so it could be possible that they're just being reported more in girls' sports. Ah. Um, but- so this is kind of
1: like the whole uh, similar, like where they're talking like high, like high rates of autism. Now it's like, oh, well, maybe just was never reported. Certain things were just never reported. Guys might hide their injuries more. So basically, we just, we just don't know how bad it could be with them.
0: I don't know. I could see a girls. But- g- girls are. I I would say this is as far as at least the like the athletic girls I know. Like they're more competitive than most of the guys, I would say. Like the real athletic girls are the ultra competitive ones.
2: Well, and that speaks to the next point, Matt, which is um, that a lot of times, uh, other studies suggest that um, that in girls' sports, you know, they may be equally as unlikely to report, but also in girls' sports, they don't always put um, the the best uh, sideline care on the sidelines for girls sport um, ah. because male dominated sports are generally have always Getting been traditionally better... considered higher risk. Mm, so, yeah. yeah. So these girls are thinking know...
0: like, Oh, it's just a girl's soccer game. Nothing's going to yeah. happen. I see. No. So the
1: underreporting is more, is even more structural. What you're saying? It's almost like an institutional. Oh, like, well, wow. guys yeah, get hurt like more, systemic... so we have to put our top guys. Yeah. Mm.
2: yeah. So like without having like an athletic trainer, you know, there at the time of the injury, girls can take longer to realize that they sustained a concussion. Um, so like, maybe they do report it when they start to get like severe symptoms and maybe that is more reported, I, but yeah. it takes them longer to get there.
0: I, w- I will say this. So in fighting and, uh, in like, you know, boxing, MMA, all that stuff. Sometimes the girls fights are the best fights of the night and they are vicious. They are ruthlessly vicious every time. You see them. They are really, really like going through, the, going for the throat. And I do know this is that in dog fighting, right? Uh, they'll never pit a female dog versus a male dog because the female dog, even though it might be smaller, would rip the male dog to shreds because they're that much more vicious.
2: I think also, Matt, it probably has to do with tolerance for pain.
0: Oh, like, I could say that. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah, with that. like
2: yeah. I had two babies. Uh, and I know if my husband were in charge of doing that, we would not have children. So, <laughs>
0: yep.
2: um, you know, the tolerance Same. for pain, I think, uh, is, is, you know, uh, is higher on the women's side. So maybe yeah. we're more vicious because we know that our opponent can take more. Um, yeah. also just
3: in the it know, back, you feel, more. Yeah, yeah, you're,
1: you're, you're telling scared, If I can take this yeah. hit, then the other person can take this hit. Yeah. yeah. Whereas like, if you're like, if, you, if you've taken that jar and getting like, oh, I don't want to, I don't want to dish it out on other people.
0: And I can see right. like a natural hidden aggression too. You know what I mean? Like, I, I believe that's there. Plus too, I think it's very situational with girls where it's like, 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 uh, like your motherly instinct. I think if your motherly instinct, like the, the switch was flipped with that, like someone's going after your babies. I, I think that. Them. I think you'd be a lot more vicious than your husband. I think it would be the same for me. I would be vicious if someone went after my kid, but I think my wife would be would be worse.
2: Well, I think that your instinct um, in that situation would be to like take your kid to safety, whereas your wife's instinct would probably be to kill the motherfucker.
1: I agree. What are yeah, you saying? I, I can see that. I, I because I think sometimes with a guy, you're kind of like, "Well, let me just even this up so my kid's like not you know uh, uh, you know underhanded." Whereas, like, the mom comes in and she's like, This motherfucker. It's like, What my are you kid? doing to my baby? You know, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's a whole other thought process. Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> my two year old comes home and I ask her how things were at school. Now, granted, she's just becoming more verbal, but she, tell- she told me that someone pushed her. Oh. And I was like, Who pushed you? Oh. And so and she tells me the kid's name and I'm like talking to her dad like I want to call the teacher and make sure that, you know, they know to keep this kid away from my child. Yeah, <laughs> and
1: and and like, you really apparently. you want them
2: permanently like removed from her social sphere? <laughs> I'm like, yes, they pushed her.
1: So, so Natalie, here's a good example. When I was growing up, there was a kid in my neighborhood that uh, that could beat me up and uh, he beat me up a couple of times, you know, and my dad's thing was he it was I'll teach you how to fight. My mom took his bike and threw it over a barbed wire fence. So those <laughs> are the, uh, the responses. And Tom, and
0: Tom was insulting that great woman, yeah. Bonnie McCormick. And so, hey, Tom, just so you know, your Peloton is going to be in the river next week for what you said. All right, pal?
2: I can't wait for Mrs. McCormick's podcast. I want her to tell that story.
0: Oh, she, I actually, the way we have it booked is that their back-to-back weeks is Mr. McCormick and then Mrs. McCormick.
2: Oh, that's fun. I'm wondering yeah. if you can get like their interpretations of the same events and see how they differ.
0: Oh, that's yeah, uh, I mean, my, yeah, I th-
1: my interpretations will be the correct ones.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited to get I mean, I'm it's really like their. are where I'm going to try and showcase their work history. Obviously, their children is going to be a big part of it, you know, being that they have six of them. But I'm really more excited to see like, you know, Pete's dad owned a deli in the northeast for what, like 30 years, Pete?
1: 20 years yeah. yeah jesus
0: so like you know just that kind of stuff i'm excited to see but okay so either way let's keep it moving so we got stuck on uh girls soccer there for a Can second Can i bring it, it on sports. back real quick
2: to girls soccer
0: sure <laughs> i don't have bring to, it back bring it right. back
2: just really quick another reason why girls soccer is such a focus is because um contact is not illegal in girls soccer whereas in a lot of like high contact sports like football there are certain things that are illegal certain types of hits hmm. um and then also uh, in high-contact sports like, again, football, hockey, you know, other things like that requires a helmet. Girls soccer, no helmet. So that's why you're you. it's kind yeah. of like the like, perfect storm of concussions can happen. They don't have the sideline support that they might need sometimes. Yeah. And also the rules of the game don't necessarily lead to, you know – head or concussion safety
0: I guess do you do this is the rule still apply though? they're like are like as far as you're saying like contact like in girls soccer they're not allowed to go out there and be throwing fucking elbows right or or can they
2: I mean
1: like they it, could it, be or, running up to a girl I, I, and like I, I, get aggressive I, I think, and let him have yeah. one or
2: I mean now, you obviously
1: me you can tell me if I'm wrong here but I, I feel like what it is is like uh, like soccer itself is more european based football is american yeah. based american sports american everything seems to be more rule based whereas yeah. european is more principle based so basically oh, in I football see. you have a rule you can't hit this way Whereas soccer is like you're not supposed to hurt your person so there's more up interpretation was that elbow intentional or was it just like a, yeah. a, a flaring, nice. flying like, elbow the, kind yeah of like thing. the
2: rules are a little more amorphous it's like you're supposed to be going after the ball
1: yeah right
2: but i mean the way you go after the ball like
1: you just yeah. can't be
2: intentionally trying to hurt somebody but you're not
1: so soccer refs are trying to rule for intent whereas like a uh, football yeah. are just looking for an action this is the action exactly. that's illegal versus oh they're trying to hurt them versus where they just going for the ball
2: and that's the difference pete you got it because it's subjective all right we can move on matt sorry about that i just so, i love me some research
0: yep so <laughs> uh we'll keep it going so like we said, you did soccer from age four till you were a junior in high school, and then you did some spring and indoor track at Saint Stan's. And then at one of the sports you really succeeded at or really excelled at was field hockey, and you didn't start that until ninth grade, right? Yeah,
2: ninth And then grade.
0: and then by the time you were a senior, you were all state in field hockey, right?
2: uh yeah i was all I was state goalie also.
0: yep and i remember you were getting like uh offers to go to college and things like that uh like
2: not d1 or anything don't But
0: still you're getting college don't offers. tell yourself yeah don't yeah. don't tell it short you know <laughs> pete pete got offers to go to college i remember me and pete, hey, pete. Were, i
2: not know that yeah
0: me and pete okay. were had a wrestling tournament uh called the beast of the east we have talked about it on the show before it was a major major wrestling tournament and we were there Pete ended up placing fifth and it was considered the toughest tournament in the history of high school wrestling at the time when we were there. Pete ended up placing fifth. Uh, I did not place. And me and Pete were sitting <laughs> next to each other in the stands, like, you know, just like hanging out and like recruiters were coming up to Pete and like a bunch and I'm sitting there and it, and eventually like after like the fifth recruiter that came up, I think it was from like Brown university or something like that. Came up and said like, "Hey, great job! We got our eye on you, buddy. Just keep doing great work. You're going to be hearing from us." And I was like, "Hey, do you want my contact info as well?" And he was like, "No, thank you." And he just laughed. <laughs> I
1: was like, Rat, if it makes you feel any better, I did not get into Brown either. <laughs> yeah,
0: well, no. Wait,
2: kidding. Pete, did you have good grades in school?
0: Yeah, Pete went in. Uh, was originally going to be. Uh, he went to Drexel for engineering originally, right, Pete?
2: Oh, okay. Well, yeah, no, I'm yeah, just a, wondering yeah. if those scouts, like, um, because with Allstate or whatever, they also take into account, like, your grades and your, like, they, SAT
1: scores. So, so that tournament was a tournament where they knew, like, basically, like, uh, sheds, like, oh, your coach would come up and put in if you had your SAT score, they'd put it in. If yeah. you they had your GPA, they wouldn't, like, let everyone know, but they would, like, basically, it was kind of, like, the college coaches would come to your coaches and they would let everybody know, like, what the deal was, whether or not you got into their school. Yeah, yeah. Shets, well, you yeah. must have been
2: pretty good if the guy from Brown was like. He was ranked
1: 15th I in the nation. He was amazing, honestly. <laughs> not to toot my own horn, but. Uh,
0: <laughs> Pete would have actually placed a lot higher at that tournament had he not yeah. listened to me. So it's my fault. That he didn't place in the top three. because Did him you like
2: tell him the wrong move? Or did, did. you get him drunk I, the night before or something? So
0: I told him, the, I was like, look, dude, your barrel roll is fucking money. It's fucking money, right? Because <laughs> he hits it on me with, you know, I was like, you're, you're fucking, you've been nailing it on me lately, right? I'm also, I was 5'10", and I was wrestling the 215. Pete then went against a guy who was like 6'5", 6'6", wrestling at heavyweight, tried the same move. Didn't work quite as well.
2: Got it. Yeah. yeah. You know, I was the that.
0: one telling him, like, fuck, dude, you got to d- fucking barrel this guy. Come on. Fucking barrel. and every- You barrel old Pete. That's what they call you. Didn't work <laughs> out.
2: Well, Matt, also, though, I think maybe you did help Pete in some ways, because I imagine he was quite amped up from your very positive outlook on his
0: wrestling.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm sure. Don't let Matt talk himself down. Not, not Nothing he did reflected on uh, my, my uh, failure to perform that day. Oh, please. <laughs> But so. hey, this podcast is about Natalie and right. her and her accomplishments. Agreed. Oh,
2: thanks, guys. Yep. Almost nothing is about me these days. I swear. With the two kids and everything else, and the pandemic, and working full time, and trying well, to get through school, the only Mother's person who listens to me is my dog. Mother's okay. Day. Yeah. Mother's Day yeah. was actually really, really nice. Um, let's see. Must the, be it, nice. It was nice. Father's Pete, Day is coming Pete, up. Don't do give you me have, that.
0: Pete, do you have an uncle's day? <laughs> yeah. <not yet. laughs> Yeah. yeah every Honestly, day is day, uncle's is day
2: you can give the kids day. back
0: every day yeah, is every... kid's day all right yeah. don't ever every day it.
1: i wake up when i want to go to bed that i want is uncle's day
2: yep <laughs> every day you can give must the child nice. back to their parents is uncle's day must be yes. nice <laughs> yeah. yep. no for mother's day it was really sweet um the girls both made me like cute little crafts this Aww. is the first um this is the first mother's day where been really verbal and so she oh. was so proud to be able to come up to me and say happy mother's day and oh, i made you great. a flower and she was very proud of it she repeated it a couple
0: times so did they make you like a gimmick at school or something what happened what they do
2: yeah my my little one um at school she made a uh like a, a flower flower I think like a paper plate, they, they put their handprints on it and it's like Mm -hmm. a flower and then the center of the flower, like a sunflower, it's a picture of her face Mm. and she put like glitter around it. And they, they sent it home with a cute little terracotta pot and some seeds to plant. Mm -hmm. Um, And then my older one, she made uh, this really cute mug that she painted herself at Girl Scouts and really top, uh, (laughs) just shout out to the troop leader. They made sure that the paint that she did was like covered in this some sort of a covering um that it is dishwasher safe so
0: hey all right
2: those people are moms um (laughs)
0: Uh, i I will i will say this so uh i've definitely spent like uh, easily over like fifty thousand dollars worth of money on gifts for my wife throughout the years easily with every like with all the rings and everything included um My daughter made her a mug, uh, not even, it's like a cup, a plastic mug for Mother's Day.
2: Are you jealous that your wife liked your daughter's gift more than yours?
0: Uh, Then the three rings that she wears that I bought her that were, uh, that weren't cheap. She, she threw them away real quick to put this mug at the top of the presents list. I'll tell you that.
1: And I'll tell you what, Matt, I don't think your daughter is a skilled laborer. I bet you that was unskilled labor that furnished yeah. that mug. Definitely not unionized, I will tell you that. I don't even know Stab if work. I trust the quality of the product to tell you the truth. Yeah. You want me to find
2: out from the troop leader what that thing is you can put on the mug to make sure it's dishwasher safe?
0: I mean, I don't care at this point. I could, you know, care less, but no, it's
1: all right. Don't
2: you want to keep the mug nice for your wife? What is wrong with I, you?
1: I, I think uh, he'd rather the mug get destroyed so that he can, uh, so that it is good. I'd like, I'd like yeah, I'd like this You're thing. jealous
2: of something your child made.
0: Uh, for all those men listening out there, the total uh, ring racket for when you get married, it's a total fucking sham nowadays. So you buy the engagement ring. That's ring number one. Hope you, yep. Hopefully you have $15,000 to spare, fellas. Then, that's right. then, then, then uh, before you can even get married,
1: guess what? You have to have the wedding band, uh, two, two fucking rings, right? Matt, and the wedding night, you got to get the cock ring out. It's ridiculous. Yep. <laughs> oh, Pedro. Oh. <laughs> oh, is that just a is that just a Catholic, Irish Catholic, Northeast? So, yeah. That no. might just be you, buddy. Yeah. That yeah. might just that, be you. Oh, that's just the me thing.
2: That no, might just well. be you. I mean, no. maybe it's a McCormick tradition. Who knows?
1: Come on. Everyone Sorry, no, I would those. never
2: say that. I don't want to say anything that, about oh, your
0: mother. Never yeah, mind. That was the, horrible.
1: Yeah. Well, she wouldn't be the one buying the ring. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. So besides all the money you got to spend on cock rings, then there's the anniversary <laughs> ring you have to get as well.
2: What wait, year what? did you do that? Was that on your first anniversary?
0: Huh? Wait. Uh-huh. wait. Our Our fifth. I think it was... I mean, what? we've only had three. <laughs> so oh, okay. I think it was Matt, I don't think one. you do
1: because you got made the same time as I did.
0: Yeah, literally... We you got married like the the weekend of our honeymoon
1: or no the weekend yeah. of
0: our wedding? You got married because yeah. you couldn't come to the wedding because you got your wedding was like three days. And before. Matt,
1: j- j- just just so you don't get in trouble, we've only had two anniversaries. <laughs> oh, so I guess it was the <laughs> ring
0: for the second anniversary.
2: <laughs> gotcha. Well, so for me, I got the good gracious. I got the engagement ring, the wedding band, and then um, we did the anniversary band at five years
1: yeah what is this th- is this an actual thing
3: yeah
2: yeah my anniversary Start band is a perfect now, match ladies. for my wet the my anniversary thing. band it my anniversary band is a perfect match for my wedding band and they kind of go on um almost on, like almost like stacked front, rings the- one is yeah. close to my hand one is um you know further away and my engagement ring goes in the middle yep so really
0: uh when i bought my ring my engagement ring i was told two things i was told one Don't give don't propose on a holiday or the birthday of the person you're proposing to, because if you give them the ring on a holiday or birthday, it's considered a gift. And if you were ever to get divorced, they get to keep it because it's a gift. But if you don't do it on a holiday or birthday, then you get to keep it. Because it's not considered a gift. Uh, Wow,
1: that's some romantic
2: people at the Jewelry. You went to, buddy. And then the second thing
0: thing they told me is that, hey, you picked out a good one because that comes in the set of three. And I was like, three? (laughs) We only need one ring, lady. I'm
2: only marrying one person. Oh, they upsold you.
0: Yep. And apparently uh, someone told uh, my wife that it comes in a set of three. And I ended up, you know, two years in having to buy three rings. So that's how old, old Uncle Mandy does it. Oh boy! Yeah, so alrighty. I actually
2: didn't know about the anniversary ring thing. Like, surprised me with that.
0: I didn't yeah, know. I was informed of that like the second day I was married. So, ah,
2: well, you—I huh. don't like—I don't like jewelry that much. So, yeah.
1: You know what? I, I my interpretation of this is basically did something bad. Natalie never found out about it, and now there's an there's an anniversary ring, and I have no idea what Matt. Matt just got—he just got swindled. You know what's the he biggest? You
0: know what's the biggest crime in all of this? the balls on my wife to say oh don't worry I'll buy your ring guess how much (laughs) my ring was Uh, this thing right here it was like 73 dollars oh I'm not even gonna
2: lie to you and tell you how much I paid for his ring I got his engraved at least but I literally just I was like what's your ring finger size I measured I bought that thing on Amazon I didn't even go to a store
1: yep Yeah, I, I bought my own. Like, I just went to the store and said, give me the strong same, one. Same.
0: I think I wanted something like gunmetal. I don't know. Well,
2: did you both get titanium?
0: No. I don't know. Where I, I did I got.
1: get titanium, but now, like, now I find out titanium is actually, like, what working men don't get, apparently. Because if they fuck up their finger and it swells up, then you can't yeah. get the titanium off. So you want the silicon oh. or the rubber or, yeah, I've learned so much. Oh, shit.
0: I did get titanium. Ooh.
2: Yeah, well, so no, went through this thing, right? Um, so he wanted like a kind of classic ring, like just the gold band thing, nice. you know, like, yeah, yeah. yeah, so that's what we got him and it's engraved on the inside, um, but uh, he saw this thing Jimmy Fallon apparently almost yeah. lost his yeah. ring finger Yeah, because he had like a ring like you guys are talking about, almost took yeah. off his whole thing. Yeah. So so every so often, Pete, this goes back to your point about maybe did something that we don't know about, every so often he'll yeah, yeah. be like, why aren't you wearing your wedding ring? And he'll be like, because ah. of that thing that happened to Jimmy Fallon, and I'm freaked out. And I'm Mark. like, you're lying. That thing happened I don't yeah. know how long ago.
1: I don't know. Yeah, exactly.
0: Can't say I disagree with him there. That Like, you do hear the horror stories of, like, Pete, you've heard the basketball. Like, everyone's heard the oh. basketball story of, like, oh, yeah. guy goes to slam dunk and his ring gets caught and all that. And you he loses know. a finger. I do. Yeah, I a good do buddy have of mine, a he's
1: a fireman in the city, and he's told me, they warn you right away, like, once you go on the shift, you take it off, put it in your locker, because you never know what's going to happen. No I shit. mean, that just
2: makes sense, though. Also, yeah. like, even if I were a cop and not going into burning buildings, I would take yeah. my ring off because I don't want anybody who, who I might encounter in that situation to know that I got a wife and kids. Mm-hmm.
0: Or ah, a partner. That's a good point, guys. yeah. yeah I guess it just makes sense. Yeah. So. All right. So still haven't gotten to your job history yet. So let's keep it moving. Um, Interesting. Yep. So uh, like we said, uh, all state and field hockey, then you played softball at St. Stans and for the North Penn league for a little bit. Then also you're big time involved in like the school musicals and like the drama department at St. Rose St. Stans, LC and for your sorority at Penn state. Uh, you did Girl Scouts, Brownies, Juniors, the whole gimmick, all that stuff. I believe
2: mom was taught... my troop leader Yeah. when I was in juniors. I was basically living Troop Beverly Hills at that point in my life.
0: Yep. And uh, I and can then...
1: only imagine the mill as a troop leader. Oh, my Lord.
2: Dude, that woman was fierce.
0: Uh, troop, <laughs> troop leader, soccer coach, yep, I mean, coach. backstand attendant. She did it all. She's yep. God bless oh, yeah. her. She did it all. Oh, the only thing she didn't do was wrestling because that was dad's territory. If no one else
2: and you know what? That goes back to my theory about Disney movies where they ask, like, why does mom always get killed off in the Disney movies? Because I'm like, if those if those heroines or heroes had a mother there with them, none of that crap would have happened to them. Their um, mother would okay, not have allowed so, it. So we're
0: all going to pretend like we've never seen the movie The Lion King, R.I.P. Oh. Blue fucking Fossa real quick you're gonna just you're gonna throw Mufasa down like that Mufasa really, you found the
2: one movie Mufasa. where the dad gets Fasa. killed and you're like ooh Cinderella oh, Snow man,
0: White now, Beauty and the Beast uh but Little Snow white didn't have a mom or a dad
2: uh in fact what did you miss the whole like premise of the movie Snow White was born, her mom (laughs) dies, dad remarries the evil, like, queen, and she's the one who's trying, and then I think the evil queen, like, offs the dad,
1: and then she makes Snow
2: White's life a living hell.
1: I read a pretty good critique recently about uh, Beauty and the Beast where, uh, what's it, uh, Gaston really represents the proletariat. And uh, the beast represents the bourgeoisie. Wow,
2: that's <laughs> I, really shit. funny.
1: <laughs> it makes a lot of sense. It's like when you do the uh, go back and watch the Karate Kid, and you find out that Daniel's the bad guy. I was like, oh man, I uh, this is yeah. a mind. Oh mine wait, death. have you been
2: watching Cobra Kai? <laughs> is that
1: have. why? Wow, well, we of have. course. <laughs>
2: yeah. No, all right. So just. So, just because um, I, Stockholm syndrome has come up a couple of times in this podcast already, you guys specifically mentioned it, and we were oh, just yeah. talking about Disney movies, um, and specifically Beauty and the Beast. I just want to bring this up to both of you, mm-hmm. Belle.
0: Right? Kind of Stockholm syndrome.
2: Yes. Come oh, up. also,
0: uh, just to just to clarify, uh, Belle. Yeah, Belle.
2: Belle Bell from Beauty and the Beast. Belle.
0: Okay. Belle. Mm. Belle. Bell. Bell. Bell,
2: Stockholm syndrome.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I believe it. It no makes sense
2: there to guide her. Where was the that's beast parents?
0: No one cares. No, where the no beast... I don't.
2: I don't. No one you know, cares where the such... beast's
0: parents. Because if he was had a such dad a and
2: horrible little person that hit the... Oh, f- that the fairy he, like turned him into a beast. Maybe if his mean... mom was around, well, he maybe if been his better. dad
0: was there to whoop his ass, he wouldn't have been such a little shit. You ever think of that?
1: Maybe his dad wasn't around because he called the cops and said that his dad was touching him inappropriately. You like, know what? Maybe his dad was the one who French. made him
2: into such a little shit.
1: Oh. 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 We'll never know because his parents aren't there. Look, all we know is that his dad was sleeping with that sweet ass Mrs. Potts. <laughs> and, uh...
0: <laughs> Mrs. Potts was getting with the whole cancel. Did you ever see that SNL skit? It's with Gerard Butler. It's actually hilarious. No. Where it's Gerard Butler and I think Kristen Wiig might have been the girl, but Gerard Butler is the beast and she and Kristen Wiig plays Belle and they're singing like beauty and the beast. I think Gerard
2: Butler can actually sing, too. He was a fan of the
0: opera. Yeah, he did. All right. And then but then it's like then he's like, you know, eventually he's like, I mean, I don't know why you call yourself the beast. I don't think you're a beast. And she's like, you think I'm talking about me? And he's like, yeah, he's like, you're a beast. And he's like, what, why, what are you talking about? He's like, well, I just like a girl with a big ass, like Mrs. Potts, you know, (laughs) I'm not doing it justice, but for everyone out there. I'm going
2: to look it up now. I will watch it later.
0: They say true love can break the curse. And I can't imagine a love more true than this. Oh, my darling. I can hardly wait until your transformation. (laughs)
3: What, what do you mean, my transformation?
0: Well, you know, the curse will be broken, and you can stop being a beast.
2: You, you think I'm the
0: beast? Uh, yeah, we were just, uh, singing about it. Beauty and the beast. Uh,
3: no, it's, it's the other way around.
0: Uh, whoa. This is awkward. Who <laughs> could you think I was the beast? Well, beast is a strong word, you know, you're the one who started throwing beast around. <sighs> well, I'd say you're like a like a six.
2: <laughs> a six? In my village, I am considered a great beauty.
0: Oh, I know. I'm sure it's just that... well, you're very slender. And I don't know. I like. What? I like a a big ass tail as old as time. No, 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 no. Wait, no. wait, 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 wait. Wait a minute.
3: Wait
2: a minute. Wait a minute. So what were you hoping was gonna happen?
0: That we'd share true love's kiss and then you'd transform, you know, so you'd have a big old ass.
2: It's sick. You thought you were the
0: beauty. Oh, what's so crazy about that? (laughs)
2: Lumiere, get in here.
0: Bonsoir.
2: (laughs) Who is the beauty and who
3: is the beast? You
0: both look like beasts to me. (laughs) What? Well, I'm a candelabra. I'm only attracted to other candelabras. (laughs) Once in college, I dated a menorah. See? Beauty's in the eye of the beholder. Indeed, it is. For instance, I'm a clock. So you're only attracted to other clocks? No, I I like women, like you. Oh, thank you. Yeah, but, but with like a big ass. Oh, <laughs> well, like a like a 3:45 ass. What? Oh, I'm sorry. That's clock slang. Like a 3:45 ass. <laughs> you know teapot over there
1: okay well then why don't you all just go hook up with her
0: well we do all the time (laughs) why do you think she lives here with us have you ever seen any of us drink tea
2: (laughs) okay okay freaks I'm leaving you know what have
3: fun in your ass castle
0: How does she know we call it an ass cast? <laughs> so, okay, so let's get on to some work stuff. So uh, you, you wow. entered into the workforce at the legit workforce, we'll say, at age 14. Uh, yes,
1: when before you were, then,
2: my parents were forcing me to be your babysitter, which sucked. Uh,
0: right. right?
1: Did right. you get you paid for that, Natalie? No, no,
2: no. no I didn't get paid for it. In fact, I got in trouble when their dumbasses didn't do their chores while i was supposed Uh,
1: to be watching
0: them yeah Yeah. all right shit rolls up all around yeah i'm sure yeah it was just such torture such torture poor natalie because we really needed a lot of looking after so like you were changing (laughs) diapers or making dinner you were just there i tried to
2: make dinner once it did not work out (laughs) remember potatoes are rotten remember that
0: do not but i can only imagine i wasn't home. i mean uh to be fair also i was never home so yeah
2: no you were the helpful one you were gone
0: yeah i was just <laughs> gone if there was baby it was really you were watching alex most of i the was time. yeah so that's your home. blame him he's a little shithead hey I mr powers
1: will... can you show me what to do i don't want to hang out with my sister
0: that's. I mean, I was actually, I was just gone. I would, I mean, you know, I would be over everyone's house, really. Mm-hmm. Whoever, just as long as I wasn't home, didn't want to be in that <laughs> shithole. So, I didn't uh, want
2: to either, but I had to stay there because I was supposed to watch people. Like, so I couldn't run away like you did.
0: So, okay. So you started working at, we'll just say a fast food restaurant that serves ice cream. So they're royalty at serving ice cream we'll just say uh-huh. that so uh, so you were a cashier there you eventually and when uh, i
2: worked at also served like burgers and stuff there are different kinds right some of right them
0: only. right mm-hmm. but uh when it comes to their royal heritage royally it's a milk-based ice cream
2: yes they're famous for their soft serve ice cream i would say
0: yeah. So either way, uh, you were a cashier there. Eventually, would end up being a shift manager in high school for shorts, and then you were also working at another place, uh, like off and on for a called. Uh, it was a it was a hoagie shop, and then you yeah. also worked at like a small Italian place. And these were kind of all like your starter jobs. You were at you are at the fast food place for quite a bit. I remember you were there for like a couple of years. I would say. Yeah, the
2: fast food place I did the longest. Um, I tried. Like, the hokey shop, I left after being there for only a little bit because the guys I had to work with were creepy. Yeah. Um, And then... Really? Yeah. And then the... um, What are you going to do? The Italian place, I was waitressing, and I just would get so nervous. Like, when I would Mm. go to take the order or when I was trying Mm. to put things there, I just... The having to have that timing and stuff, it just... I. Yeah, the, the fast food was easier when I was younger just because it was like, good, you're here. You need something. I'm going to do as quickly as possible and get you away from me.
1: Yeah, Bring out my uh, fries 10 minutes later. Bring out my salad uh, yeah, 30 minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah that whole, yeah. yeah. Yeah.
2: Bring out my Diet Coke with lemon.
0: There was, I mean, I worked there as well. Not very long. Was not a fan. I was used to, at that point, I had had a couple jobs that were cash. So i I got the cash bug. So when it came to like doing the check based you know paycheck kind of not thing instead of cash, I really was not a fan. So either way, um, so you're you're there, that's like your high school stuff. Uh, then you eventually would graduate high school and go to college. and then when you went to college, kind of the same thing. You tried working at an all night diner. Uh, You tried some telemarketing, and then you tried working at the same fast food restaurant, but up in State College, which is the town Penn State University is in. So uh, what was what were your thoughts with like the all night diner and the telemarketing and things like that? How did that go?
2: The all night diner, um, like the shift that was available was like the late night one and it paid the most. I was like, I'll give it a try. And it just did not work out. That's a rough shift.
0: Yeah, I couldn't do it. It was exhausting. The aliens aliens are working that shift. Yeah,
2: no, exactly. So it's not like I'm connecting with my coworkers really either Mm -hmm. uh, working that. Um, So yeah, no, that wasn't for me. And then I tried the telemarketing thing because that was like supposed to be the best you know, paying kind of job that you could get as a student or whatever around state college, and um, and it was hellish because people just yell at you when you're like on the phone, like trying to get them to get a credit card, and it was awful. Um, I could know. never
1: imagine cold calling anyone. Like I remember, like when I graduated college, like I was an accountant and I knew a bunch of finance majors, and they all got into selling. Like uh, it was actually on a prior oh. podcast, like talking about like Matt, uh, I think it was Dion or Dion, like uh, like uh, talking about like selling like insurance or. Or yeah. any kind of, like, securities, and it's just, like, kind of crazy, like, calling someone up out of the boom like, hey, let me sell you insurance, it seems so crazy to me. Yeah.
2: Yeah, no, it just, it, yeah, it was, it was weird to me, too, Pete, and I, so it wasn't for me, Um, and so, yeah, I just ended up decorating cakes and stuff and working uh, at the, at the ice cream place instead, because yeah. I was, like, telemarketing, people are mean to you, I couldn't handle yeah. it.
0: <laughs> yeah, I I was, I mean, also, that's a shit job, that's a shit job, telemarketing. <laughs> We had a guy on the show that he is uh, like a stockbroker investment banker. And he said it, when he first started his like run in, he wasn't doing telemarketing, but when you're doing like the investment banking, it's almost the same thing where he was. Making it is. That's what it phone is. Yep. Calls a day.
2: Yeah. Call, and, like cold calling people to invest and stuff or yeah. like,
0: and, yeah. yeah, exactly. And he's making 300 calls a day. And if he had one person, that he could get in that day he was like it was the it was a win it was a huge huge victory so he and it was like he was even like and that was years ago probably like 10 15 years ago that he was doing that if not more and he was still able to recite the whole thing (laughs) like the whole the whole i mean if you're doing
2: it 300 times a day every day i bet he i bet he can say it in his sleep
0: yeah he was all about it so okay so then let's keep it moving so you're doing the I I will say this, as far as the all-night diner waitress goes, like, in the movies... They do show a lot of like, oh, the pretty chick working the the all night shift at the
1: diner. Yeah, you know, I mean you try shift. and
2: do that, but uh, I mean,
1: well, I'm not even. Saying I got a good you. classes the next day. Well, well, it's hard. Yeah,
0: this. I'm not even. Natalie watched you. Untamed
1: I, Heart with a uh, Christian. Uh, yeah, exactly. Slater I yeah, was like, where's my, like, my oh, yeah. Christian
2: Slater cook <laughs> yeah. in the kitchen? And yeah. it's just like some old dudes who are like smoking <laughs> cigarettes and stuff. Yeah, and the it's
0: French really. Oh, it never works really, out. Yet. Yeah, nah. that's really not how it works. Not at all. So, Where's my Christian
1: Slater?
2: I need my pills. Yeah, <laughs> God.
0: yeah it's really That should really... have been
2: your uh your memory lame that movie Untamed Heart.
0: <laughs> I mean, if I've ever seen it, I, I would have. But okay. So keep going. So we'll keep going. Uh you sold plasma and yeah. you were a camp counselor in a camp in Connecticut the summer of your freshman year of college and the summer uh so a summary of your freshman year of college, you worked as a camp counselor in Connecticut, and mm-hmm. this is after you sold plasma, is that right? The
2: plasma selling was at the same time, was at Penn State my freshman year. It was uh-huh. me trying, I also did it my sophomore year.
0: Uh-huh. It was
2: basically like something you could do, like you go in like once or twice a week, and they would give you uh-huh. money to basically take your blood, take the plasma out of the blood, put it back into you, put the blood back into you. Um, or at least I think that's how it went. You should yeah. really, they put really the, check yeah, to like a medical professional. Plasma,
1: but they... They put the white cells and all that stuff back into you. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Thank you, Pete. So yeah, you'd go and you sell your plasma. And like, you know, the first, what I think it was uh, the first time you go, it's like $25. And if you go back to the second time that week, it's like $40 or something. So
0: I think we talked about this when we did the pre-show. When you're saying selling your plasma, so it's almost like, uh, and I'm not trying to be crass, it's like if me and Pete went to a sperm bank and we yes, were Yes, like, it would
2: be, but I don't have that.
0: Right, right. That's right. So, so okay. And so, it's far
2: more invasive uh, to what sell eggs.
1: But this isn't more, considered a You make more job. money from it, though. It's is not considered a job. A job. Yeah. It's not considered
2: a job, but it was something that I would do twice a week just so I'd have <laughs> some money.
1: Hey, look, she needs some money. Because I was so
2: effing poor.
1: You were selling your plasma that much?
2: yeah twice a week because they paid more the second time a week
1: in case there are some young college kids listening and are getting a little desperate i want to tell you yes it's true after you give blood you get drunk quicker so not only do you get the money it becomes cheaper to get drunk that night it's a double dip we call it burning the candle from both ends that's right wow
0: good for you guys all right i didn't know drex oh i guess i mean you guys i mean also
2: matt like you know working at the ice cream place didn't pay that well (laughs) like obviously I was trying to find a job where I could get like some money remember I didn't uh, I had to support myself like completely yeah like yeah
0: yeah I'm with you okay so then you were a summer camp counselor in Connecticut I was an
2: arts and crafts counselor
0: oh that sounds fun and then uh so then your know, summer of your sophomore year you went to the university of wisconsin in madison uh you tried to telemarketing again that didn't work
2: mm-hmm. you
3: couldn't
0: sell the plasma because you broke your collarbone yeah
2: then, my second day there i broke my collarbone
1: must have that, been a there's blast. a prerequisite for donating your blood they're like oh that's the bone's not healed yet you cannot no
2: it was like literally i <laughs> so i all right do you want to hear the story about me breaking my collarbone
1: sure um, let's go for it
3: yeah.
2: sure all right so um so I get to Madison, uh, with my little nest egg of money that I saved from working at the ice cream place, and um, no, <laughs> yeah, but I had enough that I was able to rent an apartment for the summer and uh and like buy um like a little like a, a bicycle, and okay. right um but I was living in this like little one room you know efficiency. I didn't have a TV. Like all I had was my laptop. This is before you know like uh youtube way before this was before Um,
1: streaming this was yeah there was no netflix there was no lulu if you were on the internet you were looking for some you were looking you had to to find it yeah
2: yeah so or or like looking for music i mean napster was around right so um and it took 10
1: minutes to download a song right
2: so like for fun you know I could listen to music, or I went and got a library card. I would read books, or I was riding my bike around because it was summer in Wisconsin, which, by the way, summers there are beautiful. Um, so I'm riding my bike and I decide I'm going to go on this trail that's like around the lakes because uh, Madison, Wisconsin sits between two lakes. And um, I'm riding along and uh, I got my disc man, right, strapped to me. Yeah, that's how oh, long yeah, ago this Oh, was. yeah. Skip, skip um, resistant. Yep. Yeah. And, uh, and I'm biking along. Well, I'm, you know, looking at the lovely scenery humming along to Jewel or some shit. And um, there's this like log in the middle of the trail that I didn't see and my front wheel goes into it and I flip over like head Uh, over heels. uh, Yeah, yeah. And land and I land and I'm like, I'm just kind of in shock. And I noticed like the front wheel came off my bike and all this other shit. And I'm like, all right, I'm in pain, but I don't know where it's coming from. You must have
0: nailed it if the front tire, front wheel came off your bike.
2: I did. So I'm like, I wasn't going slow. So um, I'm in pain, but I couldn't figure out where. So I'm like doing this, like feeling around my body, like which of these does not feel like the other. And I finally found it, that it was my collarbone. So I take off the Discman thing that I had like strapped to me with like a fanny pack thing. And I use that as a sling i reattach <laughs> the front wheel to my bike and a part of why i was going so fast as i was going downhill so i reattached front wheel of my bike and i'm pushing my bike up a hill sort of trying to rest my arm on the seat as well as using my disc man sling
0: and it was like, any did anyone stop to help you
2: well there was n- literally no one so finally no. i get to like there's nobody around the you were
0: just no talking. because it's the summer myself. Okay.
2: yeah yeah there weren't as many people around and stuff like that but like luckily i get to the top of the hill and i'm going a little ways and like i have a broken bone so like i'm just going on sheer adrenaline but i'm in pain yeah you know and then there was this old couple walking and they saw me and they're like oh my god are you okay and i explained to them what happened and they're both retired nurses so uh-huh. yeah just thank goodness so literally like they, you know, walk me back to their minivan and take me to the emergency room. I get my, you know, uh, get everything taken care of, get a brace for my collarbone, which I had to wear all effing summer, which is not cool.
3: Um, I had to
2: be on like all these pain meds. And I was there for language classes to like learn Nepali. Like this is why I was at University of Wisconsin. (laughs) So all through language classes, I'm drugged up, which would explain why it was so difficult to learn Nepali. But but yeah, so um, so that was that was why I couldn't give plasma because I had a broken bone and then you need like all of your plasma so, and other parts in your body to heal. So yeah. they wouldn't let me donate plasma. Oh, so eesh. that's why I had to go find that telemarketing job again. Because oh, yeah, <laughs> I needed money.
0: That's the worst.
2: Yeah, it sucked.
0: No so, Okay, so let's keep
1: this going then. Cause... I still kept
2: biking around Madison that whole summer though. It was great. Good
1: though. So, all right, good. So... Got a
2: helmet though.
0: Yeah, smart
1: Natalie. Yeah. I, I just have a quick story for Natalie, just because Natalie has never met my older sister Aaron, but I feel like they, they would they would, be would fucking hit spirits. it off. Yeah, 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 they would fucking. But hit she's it the off. oldest of our clan. But, I would uh, love
2: Natalie, to meet her sometime.
1: You guys yeah.
0: would hit it the fuck off. I would say you, you, you have some right overlap.
1: Way. She got her doctorate at Temple as well. Hey, so she, cool. Yeah, she had her. Yeah, she's an econ major. But back so this. That's where the story starts. Is uh, she's six years older than me. So, it's, you know, she just graduated. She's back at home hanging out during the summer and she gets her wisdom teeth taken out. Oof. So, the week she gets the wisdom teeth taken out, you know, she's all drugged up, uh, laying on the couch, incapacitated. And a call comes to the house from Temple University. And at this point, Aaron's waiting to see if she'll get into graduate school. So, I hear, uh, oh, Temple University, can I please speak with, uh, Aaron uh, McCormick? I hand her the phone and what do they hear? Then I'm just getting screamed at because apparently I wasn't supposed to hand her the phone to get into grad school while she was high on Percocets with her wisdom teeth taken out, and she thought I ruined her life. Uh, that's not, uh, so that's, that's not, actually uh, similar to a story uh, I'm sure Matt can tell. Well, so <laughs> well just here, so everyone knows, Aaron got in. She went to Temple. She got her doctorate, and she's doing fantastic now. But at that point in time, she thought that her. Uh, 16 year old or I guess I was 14 year old brother ruined her life. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking so,
2: of idiot brothers ruining your life. Matt, would you like to tell <gasps> a story?
0: Yes. So uh so now you were on the phone with a Penn State recruiter. Is that correct, Nelly?
2: Uh I think it was Muhlenberg recru- recruiter. Either way. That was for ah. you.
1: You're on Good the old Lutherans.
0: Yeah, you're on the phone <laughs> with a college recruiter. Like you're going through the process, right? So we we were fight me me, asshole, and Alex were all fighting, right? And oh yeah. So we're fighting in the living room and Natalie at the time was in my parents' room, like on the phone, like trying to get some privacy and cause she's on like this big call, and the, the, the way it was that my parents' room was next to the living room. So... Yeah, woman's
1: dad's room sacred. It's got the phone there, you're ready to go. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Exactly so thought uh, i was solid right so there the way it works is that my parents bedroom their the door to their bedroom was right next to a closet door so if the closet door was left open to get out of my parents bedroom you would have to shut the closet door to walk by right so there was a bit we had a big old fight a fucking a tear down right and i'm and we made a, like a ton of noise and natalie's on the phone with this recruiter so eventually she hears like the noise like kind of subside and she opens the door to the parents bedroom and the door to the closet Come out and
2: check and make sure they were okay by right. the way
0: yeah okay to, to make sure we're okay or tell us to shut the fuck up yeah. one of the two right so you'll either- never know yeah well i know what did happen so <laughs> Either way, uh, Natalie opens the door of the parents' bedroom, sees the closet doors open, goes to shut it. She doesn't know that I'm laying on the floor, it's there. and I'm <laughs> laying there on the floor like fucking, and my bell
1: nose like that nose ready to be a doorstop, just ready the, to be a doorstop. Yeah,
0: well, the yeah. the nose already got busted by the pillar at this point, so she just shut. But she she shut the door like the closet door not too gently and it nailed me in the head and i right away i think i said fuck you natalie and fuck you who's ever on the phone
1: (laughs) (laughs) and natalie
0: was just like oh I'm so sorry. That was my little brother because it. it, it you, he definitely. And hey, he little did uh,
1: Matthew or Natalie know at the time that that was Jerry Sandusky himself. Oh. No. <laughs> I told to go
2: and he asked to meet my brother.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yep. yep. How about it? Yep. Alright fans, time for breaking the action to bring you a segment back that we're all fans of. This is Give It A Shot with our good friend Bob Quinn. If you're sick of wasting time surfing on a streaming service, finding nothing, and then going to another streaming service and doing the same damn thing, then you need to start giving shit a shot. On this segment, give it a shot with Bob Quinn. He's going to give us some suggestions on what to watch so you stop wasting your time surfing and start enjoying those subscriptions that you've been stealing. Bob, give us a shot. This TV show,
1: this one really gets you. It's like Braveheart meets Vikings. I'm talking about The Last Kingdom on Netflix. Episodes about one hour. Check this shit out. Give it a shot.
0: All right. That was giving A Shout with our good friend Bob Quinn. Now back to the show. So, okay. So let's keep it moving. Um, all right. So this is what I did want to talk about. So Natalie would spend a year in Nepal. So the reason she was in University of Wisconsin-Madison was preparing to go to Nepal for a year. Uh, in I w- fact,
2: if you go to, Pe- or back in the day when I went, you go to Penn State or any Big Ten school, you could go to any Big Ten school's study abroad program and pay in-state tuition at your school.
0: Very cool.
3: It oh,
2: makes smart. it it makes it cost effective.
1: Yeah. Anyway, so so Natalie, is University of Wisconsin? Is the, that's the Big Ten University of Wisconsin? Yeah,
2: yeah UW. Yeah. Like the big. Yeah. Wisconsin. Well, yeah. Yeah. I I, I
1: I assume, but like everyone just says University of Wisconsin, and some people put the Madison on there, so I just wanted to make sure, like, oh, hey, that is it, the yeah, U, that's it, the Big the, Ten UW. Yeah.
2: Yeah, that's Big Ten UW.
1: Okay, so
0: either way, so Natalie, so like we said, Natalie was preparing to go to Nepal for a year, and I will say this, and Natalie will back me up. Our dad was not happy about this. He, he was, did not want me to go. Yeah, he did I not statement. want. He did His not, little
1: girl going to a uh, going to Nepal, I,
0: going uh,
2: literally across the world. world country, yeah. No, he I down.
0: yeah, so. N- Natalie, it, my dad's literally saying, like, I'll pay for you to go to A- Italy, Rome. No,
2: no, 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 he no, no, was- no. He didn't bring up Italy. You know where he said? Canada. Fucking French Canada. <laughs> <laughs> French Canada. That was his hey, idea. Look, that was look, his big to, idea.
0: Look, you, you can go, go to Melbourne, yeah, yeah. He was
2: like, it's very Indiana.
3: foreign.
1: You can go to Mount Everest or Nova Scotia. (laughs) Fuck, are you kidding me? No brainer, right? Nova Scotia. Oh, what? You don't like Wildwood? The kids love Wildwood. Yeah.
2: (laughs) You can go to Montreal. That's where he wanted me to go.
0: Wow. That's real. The fucking great white north. So either way, Natalie says, go shove. And she does the year abroad in Nepal, gets everything set up. She goes to Nepal. So uh, we'll go into the Nepal trip in a little bit. Piva. I
1: just got to, real quick, I, the, the idea of Montreal just great to me because I can imagine that is like, girls love France, France and Canada, Canada's coast to America, there we go, we got yeah, our yeah, compromise, yeah. baby. Yeah, yeah,
2: that is exactly how he was thinking, he's like, they she wants something foreign,
1: confident, he's yeah. like,
2: it's foreign, they speak French there, the signs are in French, <laughs> but it was in North America in a country <laughs> that he knew he could drive to, to like, get me if need be yep that was he McDonald's
1: person. there I like it there we
0: go all right yeah. perfect so yeah. uh so we will say this I believe the reason for his concern wasn't there a civil war at the time all right I'm Nepal? not gonna say
2: it was completely unfounded right. I'm just saying that his alternative was Canada
0: <laughs> right um all right so- had, it been, had it been Italy would that would that have swayed you
2: I mean, if he had said he'd pay for it, because it was all on my dime.
0: Yeah, um,
2: yeah. And I specifically picked the Nepal program. Wow, I am coming off crosses so cheap in this podcast. Um, but I specific, I was poor. So I specifically yeah. picked the Nepal program because I had a couple of criteria. And I was like, my criteria for study abroad are I want to be gone a whole year, not just a semester. Right. And um, I want to go to a place that is um, where the dollar is going to go far. Yeah, yeah. Pete. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I, and I want the program itself to be as cheap as is humanly possible.
0: We're
1: going so, to Albania.
2: No, so they didn't have a program to Albania. If they did, I'd go.
1: Yeah. And to be fair, like Natalie's dad is the closest man to Liam Neeson and take him. I've ever met. So she did get kidnapped. She was literally. good. She knew. Well, good. there's a
0: story you're going to hear later, Pete. That's going to oh, think yeah. they made the movie <laughs> after him. So, I mean,
2: possibly. I'm okay. just saying. Well, so like literally. Um, there one there'd been an ongoing civil war there between the Maoists and like the royal family um mm, in Nepal, Maoists. but it was like in a time of relative peace, mm. but then the uh royal prince um the Old story prince is apparently Jabab. that was released to uh everybody is that the royal prince went nuts and massacred the royal family, leaving only oh. the uncle and now the uncle's in charge, and he's well, the king. we know
0: the next Disney movie <laughs> yeah exactly. yeah,
2: um so.
0: Story only Basically, released in CCTV.
2: Yeah.
0: yes <laughs> All right, so keep going, sis. So royal, uh, royal. So after the royal family's massacred, family.
2: that's when I'm just supposed to go. I'm a, just, I'm literally supposed to leave for the language course, and, and that happens. And Dad loses it and is like, "You're not going. You're not fucking going." He called up um, former friends of his who were like three star generals serving. Well, hold um, on,
0: hold on, sis. This yeah. Is this before you went over there?
2: Dude, he did it both times.
0: Okay, okay.
2: So first, <laughs> first before I even go, he, he's talking to his friends who are like three-star generals serving in countries not too far from Nepal at that time, and he calls the former head of the FBI hostage rescue team, yep. whom he was acquainted don't, with. Don't say his name. I'm not going to say his name, who he was acquainted with, and has the man call me direct mm-hmm. to talk me out of going to Nepal.
0: Looks like it worked. Um, Not quite. No. So no, either Natalie, way, yeah. Natalie still says, "Shove it, Daddy." Can't tell me what to do. Uh, I was
2: very polite though to the hostage rescue guy. That's a smart move. <laughs> smart <laughs> I thought so.
0: Move. Um, hey, you so, never know. Uh, and he's a. We, I ended. We've met oh, him wait, too. He, Super nice guy.
2: Thank you. I and, flew like, to Nepal legit in bad summer badass. of two thousand one.
1: Oh well, that's a, hey. You know what. It's not like anything big was coming, coming in the So that's,
0: that's what I want to ask, Pete. So Natalie flies to Nepal. Then, Pete, I want to ask do you remember where you were when 9 11 happened?
1: Absolutely. Where were you? I was actually, uh, I, I remember I was in doc, uh social studies class at North Penn. Yeah. But yeah, like, yeah, I just, because like, it was like we went into his class and he was just like, everyone sit down and he just put on the TV and he's like, we're just going to watch this. And then he put a couple pieces of – uh well, we were in the mods. So he put the, the markers down, and he just said, we're just going to watch this. And anyone uh that has any feelings, just come up and write your feelings on the board. And that's all we did for 45 minutes was watch what was going on in the news. This was like 1030 in the yeah. morning. And then people just went up and wrote what they wanted. So
0: I had a similar scenario. I was in my German class at North Penn High School when this happened. And then eventually they would send us home from school that day early – right so we went home early and everything like that natalie has a slightly different so natalie like she said in the summer like july ish you went to nepal natalie
2: i flew there in august
0: okay so you flew there in august so you're there for uh less than a month yep less yeah. than a month. And then, uh, can you explain how, how it happened and what, like, where were you when I, when you found out about nine 11?
2: Sure. Uh, I was, so when, uh, when we, when we first got to Nepal, um, all the, all the people in my program were assigned to like a, a Nepali family. We're all with different families to live with, you know, for like the first semester. So, um, with my Nepali family and we're having dinner and, uh, basically, there's a phone call and the the dad answers it and i can
0: that's like a thing right like the dad's the only one that should answer the phone in the poly house right it's
2: very very i don't know if it's like that anymore but yeah the the roles of men and women are very very different uh so no the woman would not be answering the phone
0: okay so the dad answers the phone and you can kind of hear kind of something on the phone is that what's going on
2: yeah i could sort of hear what they were saying um plus he repeated it word for word um oh shit yeah well no he put it on i i don't i don't think it was on speaker but yeah no i could hear it i remember being able I'm to sure hear the it.
0: person screaming through the phone like fucking, yeah you can you believe this? was yeah it was nine eleven. 11 yeah like, yeah.
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah so but i could hear it i remember being able to hear it um so the 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 literal translation of what the guy said was um turn on your tv Tell your white girl that America is under attack. <laughs> <laughs> that's a literal translation.
0: I mean, he but he wasn't saying it for, to no, be No, he wasn't saying it to be mean. Yeah, he yeah, wasn't it, yeah you know, mean. That's just their word for yeah. you was it the kind of right.
1: like, like, hey you know, Where are your white women at? Where are your white <laughs> yeah, women? Where white are the white, white women,
0: women at?
2: at? Yeah, I love yeah. that movie. Blazing Saddles, Explain man. to them. That's yeah. a freaking <laughs> classic. Total
0: so classic. okay. So then you hear, so you turn on so the TV and everyone's like oh
2: they turn fuck. on the tv and i so this and was I'm, worldwide I'm seeing,
0: news then yeah
2: yeah no i'm turning on the tv and it's live coverage if and i'm having morning, dinner because it's it was like
0: morning for us so but it was 12 time?
2: hours later for me okay it was dinner so, time for me
0: okay it's dinner. like it's like 10 it's yeah. like yeah it's like i think it was like oh, 10 so a.m you're ready to go
1: to no, bed it happened like, like, at like, like eight, eight yeah, yeah.
2: something
0: I mean, but we I, – I remember we didn't find out about it until – I found you know.
2: out about it live. So it was live happening.
0: Yeah. Um, so well, basically like – we, we found – I guess it was between nine. Well, we
1: were in – yeah, we were yeah. in classes. So like the first plane hit and, and it was one of those things like, oh, it was just one. an accident. Then it was the yeah. other – like, well, I think, we, I think we may have been watching for the second one. At that point, there like, oh, was – I was it was the going second off. one. Yeah.
0: Well, I guess when the first then.
2: plane hit – Um, I know a lot of people may have thought it was an accident, but a freakish accident, but I mean, the guy who called my Nepali dad seemed to know America was under attack and only the first, I
3: don't
2: know who I was hanging with maybe. Um, but
0: good (laughs) thing. Dad told you to go.
2: Right. Yeah. (laughs)
0: Um,
2: the phone call comes in, we turn on the TV Mm -hmm. and, um, the first plane was in the building. Yeah, smoke's coming out. Yeah, and I I remember the commentator, like the news commentator, saying something like that. It looked like a Jerry Brockheimer movie, but it was crazy, right? And I Jerry um, Brockheimer
0: did uh, *Lethal Weapon*, right? Jerry he,
2: Brockheimer's done a lot of movies. He did like um, what was that Ben Affleck movie with Armageddon?
0: Oh, yeah, that Jerry Brockheimer. <laughs> that
1: Jerry, <I laughs> Jerry Brockheimer was uh, what's his name before I think he, did he top Gun, man? Like, way back hey, in the day. He, he, who's the guy for the action movies everyone always talks about these days? He was, um... Oh, this is gonna kill me. Who, Joss Whedon? No, no, the guy that did all the Transformer movies. Oh, Michael Bay. He was Michael Bay before Michael Bay existed. Okay. Jerry
2: Brockheimer actually worked with Michael Bay, I think.
1: So, okay. So, were... I know, so he made Michael Bay. I so, think he might have. So,
0: sis, so you're... So you see this on the thing. They say the Jerry Brockheimer gimmick. So then you call... Do you call, like... I called a friend.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I called one of the other people in the program who lived down the street from me and I knew her family had a phone. They were pretty well to do. So I Mm. call her and I'm like, hey, you got to turn on the TV. Like there's a plane crashed into a building and then like I'm on the phone and the other one happens. Uh, and I'm watched it happen. Wow.
0: And the other
2: one comes in. Um, so and I'm on is. the phone talking mm-hmm. to my friend. And I'm like, you have to go get so-and-so who was in the house next door to her. But their family wasn't as well deduced. They didn't have a phone. And so like – 2001
0: in the – and not every house had a, a phone. That's no. that's I
1: mean –
2: But also keep, it's a third – it was uh, – Third, third
1: it's world country. country. It's keep going. So we'll keep say going. second world, maybe third. Mm-hmm. Well, no. two, two and a half world two and a half world so. not everybody's
2: walking around with like a mobile um so nice. yeah we're calling on landlines um so uh yeah so she goes and gets you know our other friend and we're all like on the phone together like watching it happen and just kind of watching it unfold and it's absolutely crazy and then um you know the uh the program we were in for university of wisconsin like we're our you know, once we get off the phone, our families start receiving, our Nepali families start receiving phone calls from like our program saying, you know, the, 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 all the, all these college students have to come to the program house, have to come to like the main location, like get them here. <laughs> um, yeah. So we all get there, you know, and it's just, it's nuts. And, um, and I remember like people were, everybody was really upset.
0: Sure, it was a very scary time. Yes, yeah. it was a very scary. It was a very scary time, but it was also very much like, like being out of the country. Yeah. yeah,
2: well, also being out of the country and you know a place where uh, civil war was ongoing, mm-hmm. and yep. um and where that family, uh, the royal family massacre, had just happened like a couple months before. And I'm and like that whole
1: area it's kind of like you're not really sure like who is like who, who's the US like and who don't they like race So like. Well, Nepal's yeah.
2: pretty strategic place, man. I mean, it's right between yeah. like China and India.
1: Yeah. Exactly. So it's two countries where it it's like China like doesn't really like the U.S. The U.S. doesn't like China. In India, the U.S. has kind of neglected India. Like they should be kind of closer than you think they would be. But it's like at the end of the time, like they don't want to have any strategic ties. So yeah, how so, much do they care about like helping out Americans?
0: Right. So uh being not staying political on this podcast. Keeping with <laughs> no, that uh so but so natalie so i want to ask this after 9-11 happened there's a big sense of unity in in the country and i think everyone would agree american flags were out everyone was like fuck everybody else america first like fuck it fucking be america right now and then you know i don't know if that's the same now we're not going to get into that that but wasn't
2: you, the experience that I had in Nepal.
0: Okay, so yeah, not, not, that's what I wanted to ask. Yeah, now there was no sense of unity as Americans, like, hey, we're in this together. Let's all stick together. Or what? Yeah, was there was the no
1: thought? unity of Americans among the Nepalese. Yeah, uh,
2: yeah, no, <laughs> the. Um, like us as Americans, there we didn't like start wearing like flags and stuff. And point of fact, we wanted sure. to be careful not to indicate we were Americans. Right. Maybe at that point,
3: yeah.
2: Um, so like I, I know I had a hat that was like Canada.
1: Really,
3: um, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <Brilliant laughs> neighbor of the
1: north. Yeah. My <laughs> dad was trying to convince actually. me to go to Montreal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, yeah.
2: so you know, yeah, no, there, there wasn't that type of thing. I remember we had a um. Like everybody wanted to like get together and, 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 and share, I guess their feelings or, or memorialize it. So they had a prayer service the next morning and everybody started to, like, they sang some songs and um, prayed, but, and like, it was very Buddhist though. It wasn't like, wasn't yeah. like a, yeah, yeah it wasn't well, like the church we brought up in, but, and then whatever. people started going around to share their feelings. And I just couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't process it. I couldn't listen to it. I couldn't yeah. share. So I it's literally like much. ran to like a bathroom that was in like a far away corner of like the main building um, yeah. and locked the door and like just cried and, yeah. and vomited
0: that's because tough. I was just
2: so upset. I couldn't handle it. Yeah.
0: Well, I do think there's this, like when, if you're an American and you leave the country, you do think you have like a semblance of security because you are an American and America is, will be you got your passport. Yeah. And like, you're, you're American. You know what I mean? Like, that's a big thing. I always thought, So seeing like you guys are all not in country and like you're kind of like you're, you're, you know, you're kind of, you know, your protection in a way being that you're American was just like smacked in the mouth, you know, I could see that being a very jarring thing. Uh, yeah, I get
2: what you're referring to. It's almost like, like way, way back in the day when the Roman Empire was around, uh, you know, Roman citizens could roam freely yep. with no fear of being attacked yeah. because nobody wanted to incur the wrath of Rome. Correct. But yeah, we did not have that feeling after 9/11 as Americans abroad. No, I couldn't yeah, have. you
1: weren't like uh, yeah, like it wasn't like oh, if I if I'm disrespected by this village, Alexander the Great's going to come and uh, <laughs> rain down a wrath on them.
2: Um, I kind of did. <laughs> I kind of did assume <laughs> that that would happen anyway. But yeah, no. But one interesting thing was that afterwards, you know, the, the, the heads of our program were very much in touch with the American embassy and the state department and everything else like that. And I got called into the program director's office. Um, like it was either the day after or two days after. And she was uh, she wanted to know, she was like, who is your dad? <laughs> and I'm like, My dad." <laughs> like, who does he know? And I'm like, huh? And she's like, I just got, like, a phone call from, like, a really, really high-up person or multiple phone calls from really, really high-up people. <laughs> um, and, and so I told her a little bit about her dad. And
3: yeah. uh, I had and, a very
1: specific set of skills. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Like, yeah. My yeah. Yeah. the guy uh, from Tanken. Yeah. yeah. Um,
2: and so her response was that, like, you know, I assured him that there are plans in place for us to be safe. We are being as careful as possible. But uh, if... if if everything goes wrong, Natalie, we're all going to kind of just circle around you and know that we'll be, you know, evac'd.
0: <laughs> like, it's a very yeah. comforting thing. He, yeah. I mean, like, it, well, there, dad wouldn't fail. <laughs> there was, there has been a couple of cool times where dad is called in like the old military favors, which were pretty like the, there's a couple of stories that are, I can't say them because I don't want to get people in trouble legally because it, yeah. it's like, it, it was like, uh eh. I mean, I don't want to say it just because the, one of the people still are living and it'll, they could get in a lot of trouble. But he's made he, – when he made like a military call, like I'll say this, that general – Just preface
1: everything with this is a lie before I say it. Everything I'm saying right now is a lie. It's a 100% legend. Percent false. No, well, well, I, I, I mean, no, not a know. legend.
2: It not alleged. It is a legend, like legend,
1: the legend of
0: yeah, Andy yeah, leg- Ah, uh-huh. yeah. I well, like he. So, like, I won't say that there was like a five star general that spoke at his funeral and things like that. So, I mean, he. You know, I guess he had a couple guys he could call, some old ranger buddy. So, okay. So let's keep it going. So you're in Nepal, you're you would be in Nepal for a year. So you're working, so you're in Nepal, you eventually get a job in Nepal. Well, right? I
2: shouldn't have had a job in Nepal because <laughs> the I was there on a student visa, not a work visa. So I kind of had an, ah. a cash job. Cash job in Nepal. So under the volu- table. Right. I had a volunteer job working at an NGO, like a non government organization, like a nonprofit. So I was teaching like Tibetan nuns um, English and art and doing my research on that. Uh Um, And that was perfectly fine. But yeah, no, uh, my friends and I um, one night uh, we ended up at this um, pretty swanky uh, bar um, that was attached to like a very fancy hotel. And the bar was really only peopled by very rich Nepali dudes and um, foreigners. And, the uh you know we're drinking we're having fun people are buying us drinks and the manager of the bar is like you guys want jobs because having girls work in a bar was actually a big deal because they couldn't get nepali girls to work there because it wouldn't be good for like their reputations because the assumption would yep, be yep. that they were prostitutes um yeah so this so everybody was like foreign girls they're already sluts let's hire them <laughs>
1: um, <laughs> They're already the, sluts, no. and they don't care, and they speak English for our English right. clientele.
2: <laughs> right. Well, maybe he was thinking like that, but no. The uh, the um, that's the, kind of the impression, but like it, it, it is not factual. Um, I'm
0: yeah. But Natalie, anyway, we know is, you're not a it, slut. Don't it worry. Is, it is funny though how. Like in Albania, it's this very much the same thing. Like a woman wouldn't do that because of like a reputation issue. That's
2: exactly it's right. Not the because it's a bad job. Yeah. But
0: it's because of like it's you know, and I wonder if it's because it's like a smaller country thing where reputation is such a big deal. No, Matt, it's yeah. a
2: third world country or a poor it's a it's their society, and I'm not going to criticize their society, but I will say that in developing countries, a lot of the times, um, the way that the society functions and the gender roles and what is expected are similar to what for us we would consider like uh, historic things or things from way back yeah, in the yeah. day, yeah, that's like the how, present like, day.
1: We've all seen bars or restaurants in Philadelphia that had the woman's entrance, you know, sign above it. Like, it was yeah, the same and, thing so back here in be. the 40s and 50s. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, oh, all right. Yeah, you don't you do not do that. Yeah. I'm right. just saying, but it's still, like, like... nice
2: girls don't work at this place is the idea. So they couldn't hire, like, Nepali women to right, work there. Right, but,
0: like, also, like, Nepali women aren't having one-night stands when they go out to the bar and stuff like that. Like, Nepali
2: women aren't going out to the bar.
0: right? well... Because
2: the reputation, like...
1: They. So that's even. They that's say that for Chuck more... Matt. Those <laughs> Stop <laughs> it, Peter. <laughs> those Tibetan I'm just saying tanks. what the Nepali are thinking. That's all. Oh I'm saying.
2: boy, yeah.
1: Okay. Well, so, so they
2: so they hire basically me and my friends, and um and it's totally under the table and stuff, and so we're just uh we're there basically bartending a couple times a week, getting paid for that and drinking free, and um. Not a bad deal. It was a pretty good deal. And um so then, yeah, the the director of my program calls me in the office again. <laughs> like this is many many months later, but I get called in the office again. Okay, <laughs> and she asked me if I know about a couple of people potentially, you know, working at this place.
3: Yeah, and
2: I was like, uh, would it be a problem if they were? And you know, she was like, not not exactly, but it's something that would really want to know, and and you know, but we wouldn't make anybody stop. Okay.
0: What, what like, Your the people you're living with, wouldn't they see it like, oh no, this no, stupid no. girl. Hey.
2: No, but by that point, I wasn't living with a family. I lived with a uh. family the first semester. The second semester, um, me and my friends got our own apartment. So we're You made that around.
0: much money that you could get your own place?
2: Actually, like I said, in-state Penn State tuition, man, in-state Penn State tuition for that program, the way they worked it out, was the program fees covered like our tuition it covered um
3: a stipend
2: for us to get every month like a certain amount of money to cover our expenses so yeah we did a little bit of bargain hunting but my friends and i we found like a decent safe clean apartment to live in um and we worked at the at the bar and so when the director asked me like you know if if these two girls were working there And I was like, "Would it be a problem?" It turned out no. I let the director know that in addition to those two girls, myself and uh, and two other girls were also working there.
0: Yeah, well, that's how. Hey, you gotta make some money. You know what I mean? So nice. So you were having a good time doing your thing and hanging out. So you're in Nepal. My one
2: friend actually stayed there even later. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. My one friend stayed there later, and she has an amazing singing voice. And she ended up being um, a singer um, uh, uh, on this uh, on this uh, on this song that became a top hit in Nepal. Yeah. Uh, the the yeah, the guy who's managing yeah. the bar we worked at was
0: like. And it's, um, called <laughs> it's called the Macarena. Called
2: Chick Chick Ra Le Le was the name of the song.
0: Chick Chick Ra Le Le. All Chik, right. Chik,
2: Ra Le, Le. But yes. yeah,
0: Whatever the fuck it's called. Yeah. You're- All right. So either way, so let's keep it moving. So you bartended there, and you were teaching Tibetan nuns some English and doing all that stuff. But eventually, your time in Nepal would have to end, and you would have to come on back to the good old U.S. of A. Now uh, you came back. Um, I will say, shout out to your friend that you came. That he was a, a buddy from the whole Nepal thing that he came back to this like you guys traveled together back to the states yeah yeah we
2: flew back together
0: yep shout out to him a uh, great guy and Good friend. and he ended up staying with us for a little bit when he came back just like get you know, before he kind of went home kind of thing he crashed yeah, like at our on mom's house yeah yeah uh during the time he crashed at our mom's house Pete, you remember those days because you were there a lot too. It's our, that house was like a hotel. Always (laughs) people there, always people in there. Our bedroom was just a bunch of mattresses on the floor. It was like a whole gimmick. Not my
2: room, my room was still nice. Right, your
0: room, but our room wasn't. Uh, There's a lot of fun stuff going on there. Like we were always like playing cards and like just hanging out there and like doing stuff, right? So either way, uh, I was a junior in high school at this time. And Natalie wasn't 21 yet, but her her friend that she brought back was. Mm -hmm. And my mom specifically told him that he wasn't supposed to buy her son any alcohol because he's definitely going to ask. Right. (laughs) Uh, I was that son. And yes, I did ask. And Mm -hmm. he was a good guy. And he definitely bought us. Some who allegedly (laughs) he allegedly bought us a case of old E40s.
1: Yeah, but if you were in Nepal, you would have been buying that like five years ago.
0: You know what I mean? It's all cultural,
1: right? As soon as you could see over the bar to order
0: it, right? So uh bought some oldie 40s for us and then pete i'd like to think did he buy you
2: oldie 40s because you asked for oldie 40s or was like that literally what he bought for you
0: i had a thing for oldie 40s so
2: that's what you asked for because i'm like i do not see him making that choice on his own
1: (laughs) yeah we look it was oldie it was saint ides it was hurricane when you're a young man
0: yeah you guys are idiots. Mad dogs. We did it all.
3: I remember Mad Dog 2020. <laughs> oh,
0: yeah. Yeah, we were all doing the 40s gimmick. I always liked malt liquor. I'm not going to lie. It was. I mean, oh, yeah. I, I
2: don't have a problem with malt liquor, but yeah, go ahead.
0: So either way, oh. um, called it. So he got us a case of oldie 40s. And that night at a party um, with the oldie 40s, we'll just say someone allegedly – Uh, speared some other person through a table and then
2: allegedly under the influence of the old E-40s, correct? Correct.
0: Allegedly Um. all alleged. And then eventually that alleged person would have to be picked up by Natalie and
2: and my friend.
0: Yeah. And then taken back to an alleged residence.
2: Mm, So to vomit their guts out.
0: Yep. Someone got sick Uh, either way. So uh, Natalie, you came back home Then Mm -hmm. not long after you were back home, you got a job at a, at the bank. Is that right? Whoa,
2: whoa, 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 whoa. Bring it back to that story. Cause the funniest part of that story was that mom said, do not buy alcohol for my son. And my friend thought it was like, wink, wink, don't buy alcohol for my son. And he did not get that. No, she was serious, um, but very specific. She was like, I, and I explained it to him. I'm like, no, she meant don't buy alcohol for that one, for Matthew.
1: Allegedly. Like,
2: <laughs> you could have bought alcohol for uh, almost anybody, but
1: allegedly. not Matthew. This one, alleged. this particular son. Yeah. This
2: particular son. And so when I explained <laughs> that difference as we were driving to go pick Matthew up, yeah, it was pretty funny.
0: All alleged.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um. It's all alleged. So either way. Uh, you're back and you end up getting a job as a bank teller. Is that right?
2: Yeah, I got the job as a bank teller. I was at the bank with a friend, um, just like running errands and, Mm. I saw a girl we had known from high school. She was actually like an assistant manager at the bank. Yeah. And she was asking just like what we're up to, what I've been doing. And I told her, you know, I'm just back from Nepal. Um, I'm going to go No big go deal, back.
0: just traveled the world. No, I mean, forever. I'm like, I'm going
2: I'm to I'm start classes again soon. I'm looking for a job, yeah. you know, to, uh, and I'll do my Don't classes you tell part-time. by the
0: smell. <laughs> and,
2: oh, shut up. And um, so I'm doing, uh, I was telling her I'm doing my classes part-time and looking for a job. And she says to me like, wait a minute, And she goes into her boss, talks for like a little bit, comes back out. She's like, you got a job right here. And I was like, what? And she's Hmm. like, you can be a bank teller and you can start and we're hiring and you absolutely have a job here. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's so nice. And like, I filled out the application, her office and everything. And as I'm doing that, she tells me the story that I had completely, I didn't remember doing this at all, but it turns out her like first day at LC I think it was like sophomore or junior year or something. Uh, she LC walked-
0: is the high school that Natalie went to, it's Lansdale yeah. Catholic, right. land of the free, home of the brave.
2: Um, so, <laughs> uh, so yeah, uh, she like started at LC either sophomore or junior year. And, um, apparently on her first day, she walked into the lunchroom, didn't know anybody, had no idea where to sit, who to sit with, or anything like that. I mean, you can imagine how nerve wracking that is for a kid in high school, yeah, girl in high yeah. school.
3: Yeah. And right.
2: so I, I saw her and invited her to sit with me and my friends. And she didn't sit with us for that long. She eventually like found her own people. But apparently she remembered that. And um and she she told me that as I was like filling out the job and, and she oh. was so happy that she could give me a job because that had happened. That was um, nice of her. And I, yeah, it was so nice of her. And I hadn't I didn't remember doing that at yeah. all. So well, it's crazy like the little looking, things you do making a yeah. difference.
0: Making yourself look really good, teaching Tibetan nuns English. Being nice to new kids in school, having someone buy alcohol allegedly for your brother. Aren't you just the best person in town? Look I mean, you. that's why
2: we opened up the podcast with me allegedly breaking somebody's nose, right?
0: Alleged. Never, never Alleged. proven.
2: No, never proven. I will point out.
0: Yeah. Well, we'll we can always, uh, you know, the prosecution. I mean, let's just come on. <laughs> you
1: know. Okay. What so- can be proven at the end of the day? Yeah. I mean,
2: I would just like to point out. I think the defense was probably admirable, in addition to the prosecution (laughs) being utter crap. Mm,
0: mm, mm. If a horse beats a duck in a race, does that mean the horse is really, really good? Possibly. (laughs) Possibly. Oh, okay. Let's just be freaking
2: secretariat in that race. You don't know.
0: Yeah, we just know it didn't take a lot for the horse to beat the duck. I think it's we can true. all agree on that.
2: <laughs> yeah, secretary didn't have to work hard, but no. it could have been secretary. Yeah, yeah. the
0: secretary could have walked and beat the duck. Probably so, did. Yeah. It I'd
1: may assume. have been a rocking horse, but either way, that duck was
0: fucked. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, okay. So then you left there and you started working at a hotel as a front desk person um, And then after the hotel, oh, the
2: name of the hotel, man, it was a Marriott and I still love Marriott. And I will book Marriott any and every time I travel. So Marriott's free, always free clean promo
0: and nice. for Marriott. I would agree Marriott's are actually as far as like chain hotels go, they are the best one.
2: They are. And they have all different price levels. So you don't have to spend like a bajillion and you still have this always nice, always clean hotel Yeah, and oftentimes free breakfast.
0: Yeah, I agree. So, okay. So uh, you're working at the Marriott as a front desk person, Mm -hmm. then you would end up going to bartending school. Uh, After bartending school, you got a job at one of those fancy schmancy country clubs. Yeah. Uh, you would eventually become the bar manager at this fancy schmancy country club yes. so how did that work for you what'd you think how'd you like it you had some bartending experience in good old Nepal, but yes how, that in I addition
2: mean, to you know going to the bartending compare? school and being a girl help you get bartending jobs in america
0: right how did it compare though <laughs> bartending in good old Nepal to this fancy schmancy country club where i mean if it's Oddly a fancy similar yeah because it's a fancy Oddly hotel similar Nepal, rich guys showing off yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah seems to be a common theme um okay yeah. so you're at this fancy fancy place become the bar manager there then you eventually graduate with your bachelor's yeah uh, all the
2: bartending and the and the bank tellering and the and the hotel at, was all while I was going to school. <laughs>
0: yeah. So uh, you <laughs> all event- to pay my way. Yep. So you eventually got your bachelor's degree. And then uh, you, after the done bartending, you would work at this place. It was a tree maintenance place. So this is something I'm very interested in. And this is kind of part of what we want to bring to light on this show is that, uh, and this is something that all of us have seen. Right. We've all seen this in our daily lives, mm-hmm. but we don't know where it comes from or how like the inner workings of it work. So, Pete, have you ever been driving down the road? Right. And you're driving down the road and you see like a little bit of traffic and you see like this truck pulled on the side of the road. And there's a guy like in a skiff being raised up in like a bucket to like cut down like a tree or something like that. And you have to like go around this truck
2: around like the phone lines or, or other things like that. Yes.
0: So yeah. Yeah.
1: Go ahead. Pete. Oh no. I was just going to say, I, I just assumed it was the uh, ice bucket challenge, but you know, it could be (laughs) other things. It's yeah.
0: Close, but no, but so it's one of those guys. They're raised up in that bucket. Like, you know, however high, really high in the air off the back of this truck. And they're like cutting down the, the trees Natalie worked for a company that did that, but ah. she worked. But she worked in like the accounts payable department. Yeah, I
2: was not right, in right, the bucket yeah. climbing the trees. So, it wasn't but that. Exciting, you were but...
1: buying the buckets. You made sure they had plenty of buckets and plenty of. I paid of... for the buckets. Correct. So, but that's something
0: I always thought, and then this is interesting to learn. I always thought that that was like the township that did that. I had no mm-hmm. idea that that yeah. service was provided by like a private company who apparently yeah. is a massive company,
2: huge right? international company, actually An
0: international massive gas. tree maintenance company. That's yep. a job that I, 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 I legit thought it's
2: actually a unionized job, Matt, good old union, union job, a
0: union job for tree maintenance. So that's something I legit thought it was just like someone in the township. All right. Hey, Jerry township, Jerry, we got a tree down, whatever. Like someone part of like the community department, I guess that doesn't exist. So that's pretty crazy that someone saw like, Hey, these trees keep falling down on these telephone wires. Telephone wires went up like, you know, a hundred years ago, maybe. And maybe a little before then, but the, now, as soon as they came up, this was a need to, you know, make sure that the telephone wires were clean, like cleared and, you know, not messed with. So this job was then created. Now it's this whole massive industry. That's an international industry that we had no idea kind of the inner working. So the way it would work is from what I'm assuming, like technically it is a government job if you're working on like government roads and government property and things like that. You get a
2: contract from the local government or the school district or the entity, yeah.
0: Correct, so you get a contract from the local government entity or the property who owns that thing. Yep. So essentially these guys kind of have like a, a monopoly almost on the tree maintenance fucking gimmick. You know, like, I wouldn't
2: say it's a monopoly, like there were comp- competing, there are competing services, however, you know, this particular one I worked at actually bought up a lot, a lot, a lot of, of the, of the other ones and, and has formed well, a really large corporation.
0: Yeah, well, if you're a guy with, you know, a truck with a bucket, I'm pretty sure you're, you know, you can get it going. So, nice. So Okay, so, and you were in the accounts payable department, and I do want to say, right. Um, that during this, a couple things happened, right? Mm-hmm. So, you're in the accounts payable department. This is the first type of this is kind of like the first time where you had like an in office training where you started like in office training people, yes. but also you're kind of at this job, you're kind of at a point in life where you're like trying to figure stuff out and do things. Then, you had a moment that you kind of saw in a dream. And yeah,
2: it's happened to me a few times in my life.
0: Yeah, same. So you had this moment that you saw in a dream and you're like, I've seen this before. This is a sign. And this sign led you to working for a campaign for a presidential campaign, right? Yes, so- and
2: please don't think I'm crazy. It's not that I like believe I can tell the future, but it's like a deja vu feeling that I get where I'm I'm seeing something and I'm like, this feels like it's happened before. And I know the feeling well enough now that I'm like this is this is something I should do, and no, I, I I know it that it's like it's telling like okay I've seen this before and it's for a reason and I and I should I should go to whatever that is or I'm drawn to it.
0: Yeah, no, I uh, I've had the same feeling like a bunch of times. You're absolutely right. I understand exactly what you're talking about. It's a superpower that we have as you know brother and sister. So Apparently. either way um so either way you so how come ha- you
2: didn't know about that october 2nd thing
0: i mean i don't know i probably because it's not really going to happen so so either way he probably is going to chicken out so you know but either way it's, or it's just not that important because the deja vu things come for things that are important so it's probably not that important. so either way um so you have this deja vu moment that you want should be working for this presidential campaign you yeah. then end up getting getting involved in the presidential campaign. The yeah. same time, uh, then at you leave like you. I think you leave the job as at the accounts payable at the tree place, and then you're working as uh, the assistant to the VP of corporate corporate administration. Is that right?
2: Yeah, VP of corporate administration. Um... Yeah. I, I, I applied for another job in the company and got it. And, and part of me doing that was weird. It was a weird time in my life. It was like my first corporate job. I was feeling like I'm not going anywhere. I was pretty down on myself. Mm. Um, but that thing about working for the presidential campaign, like I started going there every day and like working there and training people who, um, who were volunteering to like go knock on doors or make phone calls and stuff like that. Yeah. And, um, it was such a good working experience. Um, the people there were so amazing yeah. and they really made me feel valued. Yeah. And like, like I was contributing something and it yeah. like really boosted my confidence. And so I was like, Oh, I'm going to try for this other job because the one I'm in doesn't feel like it's challenging or, or anything's yeah. happening with it. Yeah. So yeah, I did. I applied for that other job and that was going good. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and while I was at the campaign, um i also met a pretty significant uh person oh, um who was also <laughs> uh working at that campaign and then i married him later on oh yeah yeah didn't see
0: that met your old significant other while at the campaign huh? sure did oh, yeah must be nice
2: yeah and then must after nice. after we uh won the campaign just want to point that out i like winning
0: and uh so you end up marrying the person you met there you're working as the VP of Corporate Administration. And no, then- no,
2: not as, four. I was assistant. Four,
0: four. And then, uh, then you were doing like design and marketing on the side. Then you started uh, your master's in instructional design while volunteering for this campaign. And- well, no,
2: no, no. So the campaign ended, but I was still on that high of like feeling, <laughs> you know, all confident and stuff. Yeah. And that's when I decided to go back For my master's.
0: So uh, I want to talk about this. You, one of the big things you did, uh, you started working at a company as a marketing coordinator, right? So what was your first day like there when you're working as a marketing coordinator? I walked in
2: and um, the senior VP that I was reporting to, he was the head of training and uh, business development. And um, he brings me in. And talks to me about this special project that he once started. Um, And he's like, you're going to lead it. And I feel like this could be a whole new branch of business for the company. Um, And, you know, it's really a big opportunity. Um, And uh, if it's successful, it'll be all you. And if it fails, again, all you. (laughs) Um, I was like, great. No pressure. Um, But. It was uh, part of why he had hired me was because I was getting my master's at the time um, in instructional design. And this program that he wanted to start was a program to train physicians in how to um, interpret uh, vascular ultrasounds. And so uh, what I was able to do was to, um, you know, work with the instructors who were doing it at multiple locations. I was able to communicate with physicians and recruit them for joining it. Um, able to do like a whole marketing campaign of like, you know, if you want to come and you refer somebody, you get to come at a discounted price and all that. And ended up go, having this program go from something we did for free for a couple of fellowship um, uh, students, it, um, for a couple of fellows at one university to something that we were doing at multiple locations uh, with practicing physicians and fellows from all over the U.S., Um, and in under, you know, two years, we're generating like a million dollars in revenue.
0: Whoa. All right.
2: Yeah. It worked out well.
0: That's great. (laughs) Nice. All right. Good. So then, so you, you had a really good success there. Then I was
2: fortunate to also that VP, that the senior VP that I was reporting to was like a really great mentor and he really hit home for me, something that's been kind of key to the places where I've been successful since, Mm -hmm. um, in that, like, you can have the best training ever, but in order to get heard by like the leadership level or the people in the executive suites, you got to show them how you're impacting the bottom line and you know, where the numbers are and, and demonstrate that you're making a measurable difference. So in that instance, that course that I did, the CFO had at one point called the training department, uh, the black hole of money because they were just spending money on training people. Mm. And then all of a sudden we turned it around in that these same people who are from the training department, the trainers, were the ones who are training these physicians in this program. Mm. And all of a sudden the training department's making them money.
1: Ooh. Yeah. That's the thing. When you're not in a uh when you're not in a sales position or I guess what you like call like normally a revenue position, you have to like show your worth. Like how am I saving you money? How am I saving you something? Like am I am I saving you risk in the future? Am I helping your, your production today? Like that's that's always a big thing.
2: Yeah, or also, And the CFO's the guy that sees it. Yeah. And also in other jobs that I did, I, I ended up creating training and training programs for salespeople. Um, yep. and so another way you look at it is especially with new hires, like time to competency, um, in a later mm. job that I ended up doing. How long
1: it takes to uh, recoup your investment basically.
2: Um, how long it takes for a new hire to be functioning, um, kind of at the same level as somebody who's had the job for a while. Yep. yep yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. yeah. Yeah. Uh, so when I was at that that job as the marketing coordinator I also was training the sales folks to talk about um, you know the the training program I was doing but I was also having conversations <laughs> I should have gotten commissioned for this um, when <laughs> the doctors were like at the um, the program learning you know I'd go to lunch with them or I'd get the sales guys to come in or sales uh, reps not just guys to come and bring them to lunch and we'd talk about like, you know, how the labs are run by the company and like what they do and, um, you know, just really informally. But it was enough that a lot of these doctors were like, oh, you guys should come in and look at our labs because maybe, you know, um, we'd be able to provide not only better patient experience because they saw how well-trained and how great our people were when they're in the course, but also uh, they'd make more money because they'd have really, really well-trained techs.
1: Interesting.
2: Or technologists, I should say.
0: So was that when you were when you worked at the National Board of Osteopathic Medical Examiners?
2: Is no, that... no, that was when I was the marketing coordinator. I got the job at the Osteopathic Medical, the National Board of Osteopathic Medical Examiners. Well, so the National Board of Osteopathic Medical Examiners is an organization. It's a nonprofit organization. And what they do is um, they do all of the licensure examinations um, for physicians who are testing to become um, Doctors, D.O.s, because you can have like an M.D. at the back of your, um, as a credential, yeah. or you can have a D.O. Doctor. So
1: a licensing board—it's kind of like if you get your C.P.A., you get through this; you get your bar exam, same kind of a thing. Right. Like a, but a medical... the people who like
2: make those examinations um, is the National Board of Osteopathic Medical Examiners. Right, they right. make it administer yeah. them. And what's interesting about it, because it is physician licensure—that's really, really high stakes exam because you need to have an examination that is good enough that somebody who should not become a doctor should not be able to pass that exam.
1: Yeah. Agree. Because you're
2: protecting patients.
1: I would <laughs> hope so. Yeah, yeah. Yes. I'm sure
0: the insurance companies see that as a very big plus as well.
2: Yeah, no, but it's very important work and really, really high stakes because everything you do is with the, um, the point of view of, you know, caring for patients. So, um, having come from the job I was doing with uh, creating that program when I was marketing coordinator at that one company, Uh there was an opportunity uh, at the NBOME because they were starting up their online learning program. They really hadn't had one before. Uh And so I came in and brought my experience and, um, and was able to really work with them um, to go from a point where they were working to create Um, from scratch, like with developers and everything doing code, like one course that would live um, on a website to really being able to expand their whole scope instead of developing things like from scratch and and using contractors and developers and and taking up a lot of IT uh, effort to do it. What we're able to do was, um, you know, really present the business case for um, using um, like a Um, Another software solution that they could get from a vendor, like an LMS, a learning management system, and that they could host courses on that, that the small team that I had to work with could build uh, a lot more efficiently without having to go through IT for everything. So like basically made a business case after my first year there, made a business case to save them $600,000 a year in development costs um, on the one, the one course they tried to make took two years when I was getting there, took two years. Made the business case like, hey, could save you $600,000 a year, right? And also, you'll be able to make, like, all different kinds of courses all the time with way less labor if you go this other way. And so what happened was we went from, you know, that small group of having to work through developers to make even, like, every little change um, and doing one course in two years to being able to do, like over 30 courses per year. Um, and we were able to take on uh, working with HR who, um, you know, take all of their HR training, which had used to be in-person um, and uh, paper-based to, you know, it was all digital. And they're doing it through their learning management system and they could track everything. Um, and also working with like uh, partners outside of the organization, like universities and um, and physician boards, um, uh, like when people do their board exams to be, say, a um, like an OBGYN or an internal medicine doctor, things like that. That's what I mean by the boards. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'd be able to work with the boards to create education uh, for their people. Um, so, yeah, went from, again, having this kind of test thing that was a black hole of money trying to create this little uh, online learning program to something that they could use um, to really kind of Um, spread the word about the good stuff they're doing, uses a marketing um, thing to kind of share their expertise, um, but also use it to uh, create partnerships um, uh, so that they could make money um, by partnering with these different boards and universities. And then got even better. They wanted to like try this brand new type of examination that instead of people cramming for like an exam. You know how when you take an exam, you know, finals at the end of the semester, you cram for it, you take yeah. the exam and you forget everything that you did. Yeah, yeah. Especially if you didn't show up in class all semester.
0: Yeah.
2: Well, so for physician like board examinations after they're a physician, um, you know, physicians would recertify with their board by taking an exam every six to say 10 years, depending on their board. Right. Well, so physicians would have to take time away from their patients to one study for the exam to go fly somewhere to take it. Right? Yeah. And it's uh, not convenient. Uh, it takes time away from patients. Also, you know, they might cram all this stuff in, but then forget it. So it doesn't help the physicians to become better physicians by taking this exam. Um, also, if they are learning new things in the exam to get current, then they're only doing that every six to 10 years. So for like five years in between, are they current? So what they wanted to do to test this new kind of exam is instead of it being one big thing you take all at once, it's, um, it's an exam that you take like one question at a time. Um, kind yeah. of whenever it's convenient for you, like when you have five minutes to spare. Yeah. Yeah. So like the way it worked is that,
0: you so know, sort through- of like, cause before, wasn't it like you're, you're, you would go for like a weekend and you, sh- they shove it all in you in like a, like a, like a seminar or something. And then, you know, a week later you forget half the shit that it was, And then, but this way, it's kind of like constantly coming at you, you learn it, like you do it a bite at a time, instead of taking like it all like a little bite at a time, instead of like trying to shove it all down at once kind of thing, right? Isn't that like the idea?
2: Well, for the learning? Yeah, because your cognitive load can only handle so much. Uh So um, doing like learning things in little bites at a time is just really good brain science. But for assessment, and specifically like evaluating people's performance, um, instead of them you know, going off somewhere to take an exam over a weekend, they get the exam in little bits. And instead of it being like what they call a summative exam, which is an exam you take at the end of something to see if you got it all. And the result is like pass fail. It's almost like a formative exam, which is an actual exam where you learn through the process of taking the exam. So instead of it just being something Uh. you cram for and forget after you're learning the whole time you're taking it. So what we did was set it up so that every week, doctors to get one or two questions. They were timed, so they couldn't look them up or anything. Yeah. And um, you know, they answer the question and then there's a rationale for the correct answer, whether they got it right or wrong. We let them know. And we provide links to, you know, the scholarly like journal, or whatever, that provides information on on that answer. So if they got it wrong, they can look at that journal. They can learn about what the right answer is and hopefully it'll improve their um, their interactions with their patients and their practice. Sure. And so they get like one to two questions a week. So they have that time to really think about the material and and grow and learn it's also way more convenient for the doctors because they can fit in a question here or there yeah like you know between patients on your train ride home or whenever whenever they get five minutes or less because they can literally
0: do it like at work too like (laughs) if they have a break and be like oh i didn't finish this instead of having to schedule like pto or something to go to this (laughs) conference it's just oh boom let me do this now and and get it done
3: And
2: even better, they could do it on their phones or on, on the computer. And they'd get like an alert, like an email um, every week to let them know, Hey, your questions are ready. Click the link to go to your questions real quick. And so they could do them and, uh, and yeah, every week they'd be able to do it. So it's more convenient for the doctors. It's more cost effective for the boards. It is, um, uh, we believe, uh, and and the research is showing that it creates better patient experience um, because these physicians are. Um, getting material and learning through the process. Oh
3: wow! Um,
2: so it's making them um, more knowledgeable and uh, and hopefully even better physicians than they already were, um, as opposed to them having to leave their patients, take time away, uh, cram in knowledge that we know based on the brain science people don't generally remember.
3: Mm.
2: Yeah. Oh, so that 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 little learning management system that I had brought on, you know, or worked with everybody to bring in. Um, not only were we able to take them to the point where they're creating internal and external facing training on that, we were able to create the prototype for this brand new kind of examination on that. So they were able to test it and market it to hmm. these different boards and everybody else and turn it into a moneymaker for the company. And it's That's now one of their fascinating. products. fascinating. I that's am.
0: fascinating. So <laughs> no, okay. it, is, it, is
2: fa- it is very cool. Like the idea is, of formative is, assessment is one of my favorite kinds of learning.
0: But that's also like technology, like obviously that technology wasn't available several years ago, but you're creating something new with this technology that's literally like this is helping people. Like I know you're doing the tests and everything, but these are all required tests and required examinations, but they're also before It was like, okay, just get through this and I can just go back to work, not really getting anything from this. But now with these required examinations and testing, they're actually learning and becoming better doctors or better medical professionals, and which is literally helping the world around us. That I think is a very, very positive thing that behind the scenes, people don't know. People just think doctors show up, all right, you finish school, you're a doctor now. That's not the case. Doctors are consistently tested for the rest of their careers, right? And this is just like a It's continuous- to protect
2: the patients, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, so the testing, by, by changing it up that way, instead of the test being strictly like a um, something that they have to get through or a guardrail to protect the patients, the testing becomes um, something that the doctors are learning from and they're gaining, um, you know, education from. Uh, in addition to it being maybe a barrier, it is now a developmental opportunity. Um, Mm. And, you know, doctors also are required to take a different education throughout their careers are called um, CME, uh, continuing medical education. And that was another thing that we provided there. And it's something I've done throughout my career and provided that course I did, when I first started working as a marketing coordinator, we offered those continuing medical yeah, and, education and, and, and yeah,
1: for. that's what like that's something that can uh you know crosses like beyond my, like continuing education is is in every field, right? Like you know lawyers, oh, yeah. accountants, yeah. like everywhere. Yeah. Like there's always you always you are like, an accountant, right? Like, I was an accountant, yes, the same thing. Yeah, we we had to do our, uh, (laughs) we had to get our so many hours a year. Yeah, exactly. Every year you had to have so many hours of this, so many hours of that. Same thing with full years, like any kind of a professional. Project management is a
2: big thing that um, in my field, a lot of project management, they have to go do theirs as well. Lots of people do. Absolutely.
0: So, okay. So this is kind of like, did you develop, you didn't develop the curriculum. You just developed the way the curriculum was given out, right?
2: Not exactly. So it depends on the, it depends on the program for that test I told you about. No, I did not develop that curriculum. I am not a medical expert. Right. I, you know, we would work with, um, they called it at the MBME. they called it their national faculty. There were over a thousand
3: Eesh. medical
2: experts, right? Eesh. Other physicians, um, nurses, other healthcare practitioners, people who are, um, you know, deans and professors at medical universities, like all sorts of people involved in patient care weighed in on the content. Um, There were also psychometricians there to, um, you know, test reliability and validity and all the statistics to ensure that items were performing the way they're supposed to, like the questions are performing the way they are supposed to, to ensure that they are good questions that are actually testing people at the level of knowledge they're supposed to be tested at um, and functioning the way they're supposed to, because that's how we ensure that those tests are effective in um, that you know, people who should be doctors pass. <laughs> all
0: right, cool. So, okay. So let's keep a lot this moving. So, but, so, but that's like, and I, we won't say all the companies, but you've worked, you've been consulting for a bunch of companies kind of doing the instructional design consultant for, for a bunch of places, yep. kind of like doing this kind of thing all over. Then now you started working at a telecommunications company as a, pro- a program manager. So mm-hmm. this is your current role now. So what does this entail? So what are you like what do you provide? What's kind of like your your responsibilities and what kind of things are you doing?
2: Well, in my current job, um it's interesting. I when I was initially hired, I was doing um I was doing kind of the soup to nuts of of a program. Like I would find out, you know, there's a business need and, and um, like, for instance, new hire is a project that I was almost immediately put on because um, in previous consulting, I had worked on new hire for sales folks and the company had had a six month long new hire program and it was all in person and it was very expensive. Yeah, And they wanted to take it down to six weeks and have the in-person part be one week. Um, So we did it, figured out how to do it. And also, you know, um, how to make, and, and also measure, you need to be able to measure that, um, the salespeople who went through that program were performing at the level of the folks who had gone through the six month program, um, you know, uh, and, and reaching that level within uh, after the 6 weeks or closely after the 6 weeks to show that it's still a good program even though it's less time and less in person and cost the company way less money.
0: Hey, that and that like he said the bottom line, you want people you want like the higher ups to see you doing something, save them some fucking money. Or yeah, make or, them money. Or, make them fucking or make them fucking money. Or make the money. Yeah. Yep, and they're like, "Hey, improve like the them. margins." Yeah. And improve it's not the just margins.
2: them. I mean, it 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 yes. That's 100% right. Um, So one of the first things in my current role that I was brought on to analyze was their new hire programs because they have an entire front line of employees who deal with customers or who work with customers um, who, you know, might be answering questions from people who need help with using their products or who might be going out to service products, um, like from a technical standpoint, or who might be in our stores, you know, selling products. Um, They have Uh, Many, many people who uh, work directly with the customers and a really important way of finding out how your customers feel about you as a company is called NPS uh, score your net promoter score. And, um, so this is another measurement you guys are talking about bottom line. Another way you get the execs to listen to is if you improve MPS scores. Um, so, (laughs) Uh uh, so net promoter score, the way it works is, um, you know, if you ask somebody on a scale of one to 10, like, would you recommend our company, uh, to a friend, the people who are scoring like nines and tens, they're your promoters. The people who are scoring like eight to maybe five or eight to six, they're your neutrals. five and below or four and below there, your detractors.
3: All right. So the neutrals kind of really don't factor
2: into it. It's your, your, your promoters and your detractors that really factor into it. Yeah. So when you're, when you're adding it all up, um, you know, if you have positive scores, if the majority of people are in your promoters area, you're doing great. So with NPS, you're you're really you really want to get people in that nine ten category. You want them to be the promoters because that indicates that people um, having good NPS scores. Like the types of companies that have good NPS scores are Starbucks, uh, yeah. Amazon. Yeah like think of beloved companies that you're like that people are like yes I always go there or like yes I love that company could not live without it uh, mm-hmm. for Matthew Wawa Wawa <laughs> would have good MPS from Matthew um,
0: <laughs> that's everybody
2: yes actually Kate Winslet apparently according to like the new articles that came out because she's been hanging out yeah. in Delco filming that yeah. new series really enjoyed Wawa um,
0: really good show too Mayor of Town really good murder yeah. murder.
2: that was hilarious um so so yeah so um so one of the things that i was brought in to do was to look at their new hire program and um and also you know mps is really a lot of how they kind of measure what is it like and how well are these frontline folks who are interacting with our customers performing um so when you look at new hire it's like right how quickly can i get these new hire people to being able to function at the same levels as the people who've been in the job for a while so you know in a call center it might be how fast are they handling the calls um, and resolving how many what percentage of the calls are they resolving the issue versus escalating it to somebody who's been around longer what kind of nps scores are they getting from customers who are interacting with them you know all sorts of things like that there are tons of different measurements Um, so when i am analyzing a course you know, I want to find out how is it going to be measured? How are we going to measure success? Um, and, you know, if I know how they're going to measure the success of these learners, then with new hire, I'm like, how can I get them more quickly to the point where they're going to perform successful uh, successfully in these measures? And I really focus the content on that. Um, so when I came into my current job to analyze their new hire for the front line, their front line had over 50 new hire programs mm-hmm. um, that people were having to maintain And some of the content like that, you know, would be in one new hire program was the exact same information as the content that would be in another new hire program, but two different people were having to work to keep those updated. So it's duplication of work. Right. Yeah. And I found over those 50 some odd things, I found lots of duplication, not just of content, but of things that were like branding, like to have it branded for one group, um, it would take somebody an hour to make that thing branded for one group. And then another person had to make the thing branded for a different group, the same hour. It's like, well, why couldn't we use Mm. one branding? That way you make it one time, right? Right. So I did this whole analysis of all of the new hire programs and kind of came up with four, no, five buckets of where they could streamline to save a lot of time, money.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> and Number um, one thing. Like, right. Save that time and money. Um, while still addressing like the things that were really important to their NPS scores and to uh performance. Um so they were able, you know, so I, I did a whole analysis, I brought all that information to the higher-ups and then proposed it to them. Pretty well received. <laughs> and then um, you know, then at that point I would be working with um other folks on the team to kind of figure out like all right these assets that i've seen like there's online learning courses there's in-person things there's these journeys in the lms like all right how do we update those what do we need to create net new you know i work with people to make videos i make um stuff online myself like m- one of the things i love about my job is i do a ton of stuff um
3: yeah. so
2: the part that i like the most though is probably the analysis And they've just done a reorganization (laughs) at my my job where um, the role I'm in actually doesn't really do the analysis anymore. It's a lot more heavily into like the writing the actual content um, or making the videos or making like the online assets. And that's definitely fun very zen sometimes to be able to just sit down and are work. Are you too
1: far away from but, the work, though, if you get away from the analysis?
2: Well, it, that's somehow... Yeah, it's kind of what it feels like for me because the joy I get is in the creative problem solving. So, like, yeah, I like being creative. I like making the videos. I like making things, like, look really cool or making really great user experiences, like making things easy to use. Like, when I told you guys before about that um, online assessment, like, the physicians being able to do it by their phone and getting an alert via email, your questions are available. Yeah. Like that's good user experience because you're reminding them, hey, you got these questions available as opposed to trying to make them remember it. They can do it wherever they want, whenever they want on their phones. So I do get a lot of joy out of creating like creative and great user experiences, but I like the creative problem solving of the analysis and consulting. So
3: Hmm.
2: like in my current role, I've actually been, I'm doing uh, what they call a gig at my job where they had a need in another department yeah. So you work it out with your boss that you can spend part of your 40 hours over doing a gig. So I am currently doing my job. Plus <laughs> I am doing a gig, um, helping out with the team that is um, in charge of measuring and figure out how we measure, um, you know, how our learning products are impacting the front line and hmm. what difference are we making to that bottom line. Uh, or how are we changing people's behavior, um, you know, as a result of of going through, you know, one of our programs and things like that. So that I think is um, really, really important work, because that is what is going to make it easier for my entire department to show the rest of the organization the value we bring. Hmm. And, and that's part of why I'm so
0: passionate about it. Nice. Glad to hear. So <laughs> it's really fascinating, like the stuff you're bringing up, and really, it's like you're kind of transfixing, you know, the whole way everything goes. I would love to see if that's integrated. Well, yeah, at
1: the end of the day, like right, you know, we're always training our workforces, and, and that's where Natalie's bringing in her expertise is making sure that our workforce is always on top of uh on top of their jobs, right? Yeah,
0: yeah.
2: But also doing it in a way that's cost efficient, but still provides cost that efficient. great user. Yeah. yeah, but that still provides that great user experience. I mean like literally before covid 90% of people had no clue what i did for a living if i tried to explain it to them but now uh, with yeah. everybody's kids like having to yeah. go to school yeah. away from their classrooms or people in colleges doing the same thing like yeah. when i say i'm an instructional designer people either look at me like I'm the devil and I made like that horrific <laughs> course that they had to sit through. Um, or they're like, Oh yeah, thank goodness. You're the person who's making sure my child is still being educated, even though like they can't <laughs> yeah. go to their classrooms. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah, give and
0: take there for sure. But yeah, yeah, there's a
2: big spectrum of, of what people can do but uh but yeah i uh i like to say i'm one of the good ones
0: <laughs> i agree i agree but you're one of the ones that there's people that are doing it that are like look this is the minimum criteria we have to meet shovel it in your face uh you know not in a good way but you're actually a lot of them are limited by the their learning.
2: organizations which
3: is agreed. a real shame
0: yeah, agreed okay yeah yeah so okay so we've come to the top of time Natalie, this has been a fascinating episode. Really opened eyes to a lot of different things. You got a really, really cool backstory on a lot of stuff and like really interesting take on different things as well. Uh me and Pete are usually in agreement with this, but Pete, I would love I think we would both love to have you back on if you'd be willing to come back on the show, Natalie yeah we're always
1: too. interested in how doctors in the fall figure out how they're going to be not doctors and that's <laughs> what i got from today's podcast yep. that's what you yep.
2: got out of it I right, well
3: that's <laughs> <I'm great. yourself. laughs>
1: perfect
0: but uh so before we take off Nally, is there anything you'd like to say to the to the listening public before we get out of here um uh,
2: be nice to people i don't know,
1: Matt. <laughs> I don't know what to all say. right
0: well be that's nice to, yeah be nice to people that is a good thing to say Uh, In this
1: day and age, we need more niceness.
0: Amen to that. Party Boy Pete, anything you want to say to the dozens and dozens of Working Perspectives podcast listeners?
1: I'll just uh, piggyback on that and uh, be kind, rewind,
0: people. Be kind and rewind. All right. Well, perfect. Well, this has been another episode of the Working Perspectives Podcast. I'm Matt Lavelle, accompanied by party boy Pete McCormick. Our special guest today was Natalie Lavelle. You can find us on all podcast platforms and YouTube at Working Perspectives Podcast. You can join us on Instagram at Working Perspectives Podcast. And follow us on the Twitter and the Tiki Tad at Working P-Pod. If you'd like to be a guest on the show, please email us at workingperspectives at gmail.com and go through the goddamn approval process with the people triple a unlike some pirating bastard all right uh, the live event will be october 2nd so stay tuned for more information about tickets for that or just you know where to go and what time to be there that old chestnut okay so this has been another episode of the working Perspectives podcast uh stick around for the ad read. thanks see ya Scott and Bell Publishing gives authors 100 percent creative freedom and a higher royalty split. They can be found at www.skotbell.com. That's www.s is in Sam, k is in kite, o is in October, t is Tom, b is boy, e is Edward, l is Larry, l is in Larry.com.